This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that wants to know are we gonna stay here all day and talk or are we gonna fight are we gonna fight dave this is the show where manners maketh man that's right as you lock a door and you're about to throw down a fisticuffs yeah in english fisticuffs or just umbrella some guinness into somebody's face oh yes please all the time yes please today we are talking about kingsman the Secret Service from either 2014 or 2015. It's depending it came out on one of those years. Yeah, uh, it came out in 2014, but but then also didn't. But didn't <laughs> it? Didn't also. You know how Andy Bernard always says, "Beer me that blank." Yeah, beer me this. Beer me. I'm going to start saying, "Brella me that drink." That's so good. Yeah, it's so English of you. Which brella me? I think brella me that <laughs> their headphone. I don't know. That's the best you got there. You did, did, are you just looking around the room? Yeah. To, asking me- To brella me things. Things to brella you? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Brella sounds like a, a bad like music festival. It does, doesn't like, it? Like, come to Brella 2020. Like, ugh. Oh, don't go anywhere 2020. Yucky. Brella 2021, maybe. Yucky. <laughs> brella fest. I feel like it might rain. You're prepared. That's what it counts for. Have you ever seen Kingsman before? Yes, of course. And? It's a great movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. <laughs> I've seen it a few times now, and every single time, it's a great movie. It takes me by surprise every time. Does it really? Yeah. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's great. This one, I went in trying to be nitpicky because I knew how much I liked it. I was like, man, it's going to be really boring to hear. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. This is so great. Isn't it awesome when they do this? So I noticed a few things this time. Yeah. And one of them is really serious. There are things that I've appreciated in the past about this movie that now I go, Oh, that's not okay. That's not okay. <laughs> and we'll get there. This movie is directed by the Matthew Vaughn, coming off of the, uh, X-Men First Class fame, which yeah. we talked about a few weeks ago. He was going to do X-Men Days of Future Past, but decided, I'm going to do a King's Man instead. Yeah. He was working on Kick-Ass with Mark Miller and and Dave Gibbons. Miller. At the time. Miller. Don't put an A then. He's British. I don't care. Mark, whatever his last name is. Millar, Goff. I've heard, but it's not that. <laughs> Goff um, or go? I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Guff. <laughs> he was just starting working on this this spy book, and Matthew Vaughn has a huge appreciation for for spy films from his childhood, and he was like, I want to do that. So he started negotiations with Fox and with Brian Singer and said, hey, I'm, I'm directing this and you're producing it. Want to swap? And Brian Singer was like, yeah, sure. I could, I could take the, the days of the future past. And Fox is like, this is all okay as long as we get Kingsman. There you go. So that's that's pretty much how this whole thing came to be. It seems easy enough. It seems too clean for being yeah. the studio having that much involvement in it. Agreed. They were just starting writing it during Kick-Ass, though. So. Fair enough. That took time then. And then Matthew Vaughn got a whole bunch of say in how the actual book was written because he was like, oh, I'm going to be making the movie. That's pretty neat. Then. And that's actually for him. originally supposed to take place in the U.S. and be called Uncle Sam. Okay, I'm happy they didn't go that direction. Me too. <laughs> but that's why they ended up hiring 
Dave Gibbons because he's a he's a British artist and he knows the intricacies of the different classes and whatnot. Sure. As all Englishmen do. Better than I do. Very fair. <laughs> you just want to get into this thing? Yeah, this let's do a, that. a busy one. There's a lot going on here. We start off, as we always do, in the Middle East in 1997. As we always do. A helicopter flies into a compound. Four men apprehend a terrorist, tie him to a chair. You know how interrogations work. Of course. We've all been there. One of the men is like, I'm going to count down to 10, and if I don't know what I want to know by then, it's be the last thing you ever hear. And then the dude lifts up his head, and he's got a grenade pin in his mouth, and they're like, oh shit, this has gone sideways. Right. This has gone pear-shaped. Is that what they say? Sure. I- I'm just going to name things that I think are British. It's gone tits up. There you go. <laughs> and one of the men jumps on the terrorist, covers the explosion, sacrificing himself and saving everybody else. What a guy. And then one by one, the other three men take off their mask, and it's Colin Firth, Mark Strong, and Jack Davenport. And Colin Firth is like, well, Jack, welcome to the Kingsman, I guess. You're Lancelot now. <laughs> it's one of those things like, this man is just there, all dead, and laying in front of you, and you're like, well, you're fired, I guess, here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't go the way I planned it. I guess you you win. See that Welcome. guy down there? We used to call him Lancelot, but now we're going to call you Lancelot. No. This isn't weird at all. That's not at all what was happening. What do you mean? This was trial by fire. This was this was the moment before the final test. These two were both vying for the Lancelot position. Ah, okay. Mm. This is why I shouldn't start movies and, <laughs> and, and uh, movies that I've seen before it's and funny. actively not care when I think I know the opening of things. Because I forgot <laughs> that the whole first scene was subtitled. So I'm like still looking at my phone and the movie's starting and I'm like, hey, don't start a movie with subtitles. People have cell phones. Oh, good. We did the same thing. All right, good. <laughs> and then I rewound it and watched it. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, That's the difference yep. there. Yep. So we go to London and Colin Firth, his codename is Galahad, and he's visiting the deceased man's wife, Michelle, who's played by Samantha Womack. Sure. Who everybody knows. Everybody knows who Samantha Womack is, Dave. sing songs about her in England, oh, I'm sure. Oh, Samantha Womack. <laughs> um, Colin Firth is there to tell her that her husband's dead. And he's like, but I got you this really cool medal, and it's got a phone number in the back. I can't tell you anything about why he died, because, you know, we're super secret. But, like, there's a number here. If you call it, if you're ever in trouble, whatever favor you need, you decide. Just tell us, Oxford's not brogues. And then uh, we'll know it's you, and you can be like... This is what I want. And she's like, I don't want shit from you. Right. And since this is actually probably like the 1990s, I'm sure he went 10, 10, 220. Right. I will accept the charges. <laughs> just do a quick star six, that out seven there. before you call. Right. Eh. Just to make sure. <laughs> We're very secretive. It's a super secret organization. <laughs> so Michelle's like, yeah, I don't I don't want your, your medal and your favor. I want my husband. So he's like, all right, well, I'll go give your kid the medal. Right. Because the he, husband- He's dead. dead. I don't know. I, I can't dig him up and hang him around your neck and carve a phone number into him I can't. to make it convenient to the plot. We I can't, can't do stuff that. him and put him on a ledge in front of your toilet or anything. Right. <laughs> so he goes over to the kid. Not with that attitude, you can't. <laughs> he goes over to the kid, Eggsy, and he's like, hey, here's his medal. Take care of your mom. Bye. And that's it. Cheerio. We cut to Argentina 17 years later. Professor James Arnold, Mark fucking Hamill. Yeah, I couldn't believe that either. I forgot he so was in this. surprise every single time. I'm like, oh my God, it, it's Luke Skywalker again. I've seen this movie how many times? And every time. Every time. So excited. He's being held captive. Sure. Which is not the look you want for your Mark Hamill, but Whatever. here we are. But he's also offered a nice 1962 Dalmar, so maybe things aren't so bad. Now, Brian, we have a rule on the show. We sure do. That whenever someone drinks something on screen, we kind of try to indulge with them. We, we try to do that, yes. I could not get a 1962 Dalmore. Uh, for financial reasons, let's just call it that. Sure, that makes sense. We got some Dalmore 12, though. Oh, that's perfect. 
Let me just pour this out for you. This is exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. I haven't even finished my bourbon yet. I was going to say, bourbon is the national drink of the Fortress of Attitude. <laughs> but we're part of society tonight. Exactly. That's why we're wearing suits. Right. And I'm wearing a hat because I'm like both Sam Jackson and Taron Egerton. That's right. Famously known for their hats. Also, it's a Kate Podcaster's hat, which you can probably find one of your own if you visit katepodcaster.com and click on our, our link for our new Superstuff store. Look at you. <laughs> Natural pitchman over here. Bam. That wasn't even intentional. Hey, cheers. To Lancelot. To Lancelot. <laughs> I hope he lasts long in this movie. So yeah, Mark Hamill's tied up and there's a knock at the door. And one of the kidnappers goes to answer it and it's Lancelot. Hey, good thing we just cheers him. Yeah, good I thing hope, we did. I hope he lasts a long time. He should. I'm sure he will. Lancelot shoots the thug and proceeds to fight and kill the rest of the thugs before helping himself to said 1962 Dalmore. Yeah. He's very happy about that. Good for him. And he recognizes it by taste, the year and everything. What a gentleman. What a classy guy. Wow. And the brown suit. Not enough can be said about the nice brown suit he's got. No, it's true. Tan it, suit, looking like a- Jack Davenport's a cool actor. You most know him from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. I worked with him on the show Smash. Oh. He's a sweetheart. Absolutely love that guy. Whenever I see him, I get really excited because he's not in that much. Yeah. He's definitely having a blast in this scene. Oh, yeah. This must have been amazing to film. Then there's another knock at the door, and Lancelot goes to answer, and he's cut in half by Gazelle, who right. is a- Woman with bladed prosthetic legs, played by Sophia Butella. Right. Uh, let's explain getting cut in half again. Whenever right. someone gets a really bad case of being cut in half, yeah. this one's a particularly bad case. Because uh, this one's worse than most bad cases, because when Dewey cuts his brother in half and walk hard, he does it through the midsection. Right. So that they can actually have a dramatic a, bit of closure. A horizontal cut. Right. This is a full vert cut. Yeah, right down the middle. Yeah. This is like, okay, if you want to get like that nice trim cut on him yeah right down the middle and he splits and he's a two for now like that's all it is and you know she's got good aim so she probably split it right on the ass right crack. Down but this is a particularly bad case of being cut in half this is one of the worst cases of being cut in half i've ever seen i don't think that you can get cut in half any more than this probably not it's about as in half as you can get cut i'm glad we drew the line somewhere now we know <laughs> so lancelot's dead <laughs> right. The Lancelot who just became Lancelot is now an ex-Lancelot. But he was Lancelot for like 17 years. Because, right. Because the subtitle said 17 years later. That's true. That's a good run. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the life ins- <laughs> I don't know what the life expectancy is of one of these guys. So, Well, we learn really soon that it's 17 years probably isn't that good of a run. That's right. That's right. This is interesting. What are the rules? What are the rules? Let's try to figure that out as we go along. So she goes and answers the door because, you know, that's why Lancelot was going to the door. Somebody's there. She goes to answer the door, and it is Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson. I forgot that he showed up this early. I did, too. Like, this is, what, scene three? And here he is. Lisping off. With his lisp, because he's <laughs> like, you know, Bond villains always have some sort of thing. Yeah, and I like how Gazelle actually had to, like, take these towels and cover up the bodies because Samuel L. Jackson can't look at violence. <laughs> he can't. Because he gets all thick. He gets real thick when he sees it. <laughs> Apparently, Sam Jackson actually used to have a lisp, and he was just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back for this character," and didn't tell Matthew Vaughn until the first, the first take. And, and Vaughn was like, "Cut! What are you, what are you doing?" And he's like, and then he explained it. He's like, "Oh, I just think, that, you know, a lot of Bond villains have like a, a thing about them. And sure, maybe this is my thing. Maybe I'm a villain because I have a lisp, right? What? Matthew Vaughn went. Listen, I made you look like Flava Flav." I can't have Flava Flav with a lisp. It's insane. Uh, Listen here, motherfucker. I love Sam Jackson's coordinated outfits in this movie. It's great. It's phenomenal. Yeah. 
At first, it's purple, and I'm like, oh, he loves purple. He loves purple. Lucky him, and then it's never purple again. No. So, Sam Jackson is Richmond Valentine. He's like a a billionaire, mogul, and he's American. Yes, he is. It's important to know. He doesn't have a British accent. He has a lisp accent. Right, Alicia Silverstone. He's in got Batman a, and Robin, an Alicia Silverstone accent. English accent. Yeah, he's using that choice in this. So Valentine and Gazelle free Professor Arnold, and they take him with them. We cut to London, where Galahad goes to a tailor shop that is the front for the Kingsman headquarters. He meets up with Arthur. It's funny because you're saying it's a front for the Kingsman headquarters, but, but the tailor shop is called Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. So like, if you know the name of the secret organization, it's pretty easy to find. You're golden, them. right? One might say you are in the golden circle. One might say. Not yet. In a few years, one might say. But one might say that. (laughs) Galahad goes, and uh, he meets up with Arthur, Michael fucking Kane. Yep, he's here too. Oh, man, this cast. And they use their spiffy augmented reality heads-up display glasses and have a virtual toast in Lancelot's honor. Michael Kane gives him shit because apparently 17 years isn't long enough to have this code name. I don't know. I don't know. That's a pretty good run. Seems like it, but everybody there has been there longer. So he sure. was the newest recruit, and he's the first one dead. That's, that's not a, a good bad look. look. Real bad look. Not a good look, Lancey. <laughs> Arthur tells the various king's men to prep candidates for Lancelot's replacement. And then they take off their glasses, and now we're just having a little one-on-one conversation between Arthur and, and Galahad. When Merlin walks in, Mark Strong. Mark fucking Mark Strong. Fucking this is insane. Strong. The cast is insane right now. The cast is wild. <laughs> He comes in and he briefs Galahad and Arthur on Lancelot's death and his last transmission about the kidnapped Professor Arnold, who isn't kidnapped at all. No, he's a free man. He's cruising around. He's at work. Mark Hamill just in the world. Mark Hamill. In at Wild Mark Hamill. Just doing his professing. That's what professors do. That's right. He's a, he's a climate change zealot or something. He's like, they, they frame it in a weird way where they're like, this guy, he's crazy about climate change. Like, it's not a real thing. <laughs> He's one of those round earth professors. Oh, God. <laughs> Us Kingsmen know better. <laughs> and then we catch up with Eggsy. What's Eggsy been up to these 17 years? We don't really know, but now he's Taron Egerton. Yeah. And he's in his early 20s. He lives with his mom and her new husband, Dean, who's kind of an asshole. Kind of? He's an asshole. All right. And his baby sister, who I, I assume is a proper baby. Dean's kid and a baby. Yeah. And genetically, half asshole, probably. Checks out. When you think about it. <laughs> Looks like a sweet kid, but looks like you got to break it down. Yeah. When you look at those jeans, that's part Dean. That's right. <laughs> Why does he end up leaving the house again? Eggsy? Yeah. He gets asked to go to the shops. Right. Why? Because Dean wants to- To get him out of the house. That's it. Cool. So Eggsy goes to the- Dean <laughs> wants to go full asshole on the mother. Right. Right. To create another half asshole, I think. Oh, full asshole. Right. We'll get there. That's not wrong. <laughs> So Eggsy goes to the pub with a couple of his friends, and they see Dean's group of, of goons nearby, which we haven't even been introduced yet, but we're going to point to them and be like, ah, these assholes. Right. And then they're going to be like, oh, you want to fight about it? And um, How dare you point to me and say, hey, you assholes. You think just because my dad's buffing your mom <laughs> or whatever. I don't even know if they're really related. I don't know. They call him Gov. Yep. And Brov. And Brov. Oh, Brov. Proper chavs. Love it. I think that's the word they use for that. <laughs> We so should they, have had an Englishman here with us for this Oh, one. we should have. That would have been so much fun. Yeah. Could have had Baz on. Should have. Missed opportunity. So this group of guys goes over to Eggsy's table, and they start bullying him. They're like, hey, why don't you guys get out of here, you twats? <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, Eggsy steals the one dude's car and does donuts and drives off, only to be met by the police. 
He drives off backwards. Yeah. He's, dude, he, this chase scene is backwards. It's a backwards chase scene and a Subaru that gave me 2021 January vibes. We'll get there. Okay. That is, that is a deep cut that will not pay off for months. We have a fun thing planned for this January. Stay tuned. Hard stop. <laughs> He's driving backwards, and then he crashes into another car because he doesn't want to hit a, an animal of some sort. It's a little K-cat. Was, was it a cat? I think so. I don't know. It was quick. Could have been a fox. It wasn't a fox. It wasn't a fox. Not in... it, was, it was a cat. It was a kitty cat. Sure. I didn't even check Cinema Cats. We could have verified. Oh, could have. Wow. I just unfollowed them on Twitter again. I go back and forth with them. Okay. Yeah. It's fair, I guess. They make, they make remember that I hate cats. Ah, that... And it's mostly just whenever they post. <laughs> and I go, I really don't like oh, fucking cats. <laughs> I forgot. It's like, I like you guys. I like what you're doing, but I really just don't like cats. I don't need to see them all the time. So <laughs> this is where most people would say, you could just block them or mute them. It's like, I could, but. Yeah. You could also just not follow them. I, that's and what that, I chose to do. Yeah. So that that works out too. If you ever see a cat in a movie, go to cinemacats.com. You can find out everything about that cat sometimes. Sometimes. Most of the time. They usually have a really, really cute final musing. That's right. Just use just some sort of cat pun. Right. And it entertains me. That's good. So. I'm glad. Keep following him. <laughs> Eggsy tells his friends to get out of the car so he can handle it. And Run he, for it, bruv. Get out of here, guys. So they get out, and we never see them again. And he drives into the police car. I don't know why. I think it's supposed to be some sort of parallel where he's he's sacrificing himself to save the other two guys like his dad did in the first scene. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I think it's supposed to show, hey, this guy's just like that other guy. It's a stretch. Oh, big time. So Eggsy's detained by the police. And he's refusing to give up his friends' names. And he's facing 18 months in prison. And he's like, oh, shit. I got this uh, this necklace that I wear. This coin that this old guy gave me one time, like 17 years ago. Maybe I'll call this number. Right. I'm going to call 1-800-MCGUFFIN and see who answers. <laughs> it's a customer service representative yes. of sorts. And he's like, uh, I, I was told to call this number if I'm ever in trouble. And she's like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> and he's like, wait, wait, wait. Oxford's not brogues. She's like. All right. Your complaint has been noted. No. And even then, it's like, no, I don't know what that means. That could just be English sass. Yeah, what do you... <laughs> I don't know. The English are very dry in their sensitive humor. Yeah. And frankly, if I were to like hang up on somebody who I want to fuck off, I would say, yep, noted. Uh, your complaint's <laughs> noted. I'll put it right here in the directory, right in the Dwight file that I send off to New York, Toby Flenderson style. Click. And then uh, and then he's bailed out by Galahad, just, just like that. Seemed easy enough. They're like, get out of here. And even the cop is like... The fuck is going on here? He's on the phone like, wait, what? You're just going to let him go? All right. So Eggsy walks out of the police station and there's Galahad and he's like, hey, why don't we go right back to that pub you were at? <laughs> the place where your initial crime was committed? Let's go there. They say that the, the perpetrator always returns to the scene of the crime. Okay. So Fine. <laughs> when they get there, of course Dean's goons are there again or still. Who knows? I don't know how much time has passed. And I know what you're doing right now. You're doing the same move you just did a second ago with, with the scotch because Galahad's had a hell of a day and all he wants to do is finish his Guinness. His lovely glass of Guinness. His lovely glass of Guinness. And as is tradition, this movie has a lot of alcohol I in am it. stacking drinks over yes, here. Yes, I, I can't describe to you how much alcohol <laughs> is had during this movie. Oh, And no. it blew my fucking mind. How am I going to get home? So far, this has been the most expensive episode to produce when you think <laughs> about it <laughs> because of all the libations that I had sure. to require. <laughs> What makes me happy, though, is, God damn it, I love Guinness. Right when you get that pop. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. No, Nerdy Thursday's not in the building. That was just delightful Guinness. Keep talking while those bad boys settle. So Dean's goons are like, all right, why don't you get out of here, old man? And Galahad is like, boys, can I please just finish my Guinness in peace? And they're like, 
nah, get out of here. So he walks over to the door and he locks it and he goes, manners maketh man. And he hooks his umbrella handle around a glass and swings it at the guy and beats the shit out of everyone. It's fantastic. It's amazing. All while Eggsy sits at the booth just like a mouth agape like what is happening right, right? now. Man must love his Guinness. It does give you strength. It's true. The pelican told me. <laughs> I love that Guinness pen at pelican. It's the best. I can't even make words because of the scotch and the bourbon. and the... Yeah, no, we're mixing quite a bit. My tummy right now <laughs> is just a liquor store. Yeah. <laughs> it's warm. Use that, that Guinness. So he goes over, he pats Eggsy on the shoulder, and he leaves him, being assured that Eggsy won't tell anyone about what he's just seen. Sure. Eggsy goes back home, and Dean is like, hey, fuck's going on here, bud? Yeah, I heard that a, a, a well-suited gentleman beat up my boys, and I don't know who told me this because they're all unconscious. Yeah. But also, that's not important. Well, no, he's like, why are you stealing my bruv's car? And then now there's people being knocked unconscious at the pub, and, and what is happening here? I'm going to choke the answer out of you. But the whole time, Galhad is listening on a little secret microphone that he placed on Eggsy. Right. Michelle is like, what is going on? Ah, my son, <laughs> my asshole husband, I think. Boyfriend? Who knows? Who knows? And uh, Galahad has like a loudspeaker all over their house somehow. And he's like, hey, Dean, stop it. <laughs> if you don't let go of him, I'm going to tell the authorities about all that, that shady shit you've been doing. Right. And then- uh, Going to lay the brella down. Dean let, lets him go, and Eggsy parkours out of the flat to evade his goons. <laughs> the goons are who back are awake again. And Everyone's back again. This movie moves real fast. Yeah, it sure When does. it wants to. I find something delightfully believable in the fact that like every time he goes home, somebody's there like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> because, yeah, just because you got out of the circumstances doesn't mean that it's done. Correct. So, I do appreciate that. I like that. So Eggsy goes to the tailor shop that, that Galahad had mentioned to him. The king's man. The, the king's man. And he finds Galahad, who proposes the Kingsman candidacy to Eggsy. We should say that all of the quote-unquote knights, if you will, the, the Kingsmen, they get to propose a candidate to replace Lancelot. Right. And Eggsy has been chosen. Eggsy has been chosen because he crashed his car. Right. His, the stolen car into the cop car, just like his dad would have done. Exactly. Exactly or like something? his dad would have done. He would have crashed it. I don't uh, know. 2009 Subaru STX. <laughs> nailed it a car nailed it bright yellow whatever just but, like his dad did in 97 that's right as we all know with the terrorist of course he crashed the subaru right into the terrorist he nope <laughs> sure nope <laughs> Eggsy decides he's got nothing else to lose so he joins galahad they go underground in this really poorly green screened elevator scene this to me is one of those things where i told you when we saw the losers mm -hmm. how i appreciate when they know that yeah. it doesn't look good but they lean into it. Yeah. And I feel like this is definitely this one of those moments. It. Yeah. They lean into a lot of that stuff here. Yeah. In this entire movie. It's great. So they're going underground in this very long brick shaft, elevator shaft. Should not just say shaft. Shaft. Because, I mean, Samuel, Samuel Jackson Jackson's is here. in the movie. So. Right. That's why it's confusing. Got to say elevator shaft. Elevator shaft. There it is. And they arrive at this underground bullet train that brings them to this mansion outside the, the city where Eggsy is immediately thrown into his candidacy for the Kingsman. Right. He gets thrown into a dorm room, and he, he walks in, and there's just a bunch of other teens? Teen, rich teens. Rich teens. He's out of place here. Right, because he's a poor teen. He's a poor teen, which I want to say that uh, Galahan's tried this before. This was, his, this was his same move 17 years ago with his candidate, and that's why Arthur's like, hey, don't pull your shenanigans again, bud. <laughs> this isn't a job for poor folks. Right which is 
so fucked up, Michael Caine. Why you got to be like that? I don't know. He's got to do something this movie. He's barely in this movie. <laughs> but Colin Firth is like, yeah, there's a reason the aristocracy developed weak jaws. Got him. Sick burn. Got him. Sick English burn. Oh, <laughs> oh it hurts so good. Eggsy is quickly befriended by Roxy, played by Sophie Cookson, and bullied by this rich kid, Charlie, played by Edward Holcraft and his buddies. I'm looking down at the cheat sheet have right names. now. And this cheat sheet is just England. Like, legitimately, put 11 names of, of just these characters, and yeah. you have a full football team. A whole football team. It's crazy. Proper football. Galahad goes and finds Professor Arnold on his way to his class and confronts him over being held captive. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he like really interrogates him to the point where Mark Hamill's head explodes. Yeah, you don't see it coming. No. Mostly because it's Mark Hamill and you're like, wow, Mark Hamill, this is going to be great to watch you in this whole movie. Oh my God! Where'd his head go? It exploded. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and these two goons enter the building, forcing Galahad to detonate a hand grenade and jump out a window. Right, and he gets all hurt because of that. He gets all comaed up. Yep. Got a I real think, bad case of coma. Is there some sort of like spray that came out of Mark Hamill's head that put him in the coma? I don't know or what was it was. it jumping through the window? Unsure. What? He gets sprayed with brain matter, possibly. Maybe. But then he gets all fucky when the Hamill brain gets on him. Yeah. That's probably what happened, actually, in 1977, when Mark Hamill kissed his on-screen sister. Ah. Uh. And I'd imagine that incest does that. It makes your brain matter all fucky. Yeah, probably. That if it's sprayed on someone. Professors Brian and Dave here have solved <laughs> the question of incest brain. That is Kate Podcaster's math. You are welcome. <laughs> We've scienced. We did it. <laughs> there are so many alcohols in me right now. Yeah. That's why. Yep. <laughs> the synapses are all firing and connecting. If we did like an AMA right now, it'd be real fucky. We might do that after the show. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Guys, uh... Mondays, sometimes Tuesdays, when we record, we, we occasionally do a thing afterwards that we call Cupped Podcasters, where we, we jump onto Twitch and we stream the two of us just hanging out, playing some Cuphead. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's there's a lot of swears happening. Off there's the a rails, lot of, and it's fun as hell. Yeah, we've, we've beaten the game before, Yeah, it wasn't fun, nor easy. And So Dave was like, let's do it let's again. Let's do it again. Sometimes I don't make the best decisions. The point is, go to twitch.tv slash Podcasters and follow us so you know when we go live with our Cupped Podcasters. I cannot stress enough how difficult it was for Brian to get that sentence out. Twitch.tv is an interesting... Twitch.tv! I couldn't... It was very difficult. <laughs> the T's. Yeah. They're real hard. It's... I blame the Guinness and... The Dalmore. The Dalmore. Not to mention, we started out with a little smooth ambler contradiction bourbon. Yeah. Because bourbon, of course, can't start a show without it. Them's the rules. Them's the rules. So anyway, Valentine, Samuel L. Jackson, he's got like a camera or something in Mark Hamill's head, I think. No, it's the How glasses. Did they... Oh, the glasses. Right. Of course it's glasses. So he sees Colin Firth and he's like, all right, I don't know who this guy is, but he said associate. So he's he's connected to this other guy who busted up the right. chalet in Argentina. Sure. That's a well-dressed man. That's another well-dressed man. I bet they're connected. Well, he says when he's interrogating him, he says something about his associate. Fair. And um, he's like, I got to look into this, these people, find out who they are. That's my uh, arc right now. We did it. <laughs> we developed that's, an arc. That's what Sam Jackson's got to do. He's got to find out about the Kingsman. So as the recruits are sleeping, the room slowly starts to fill with water. And by slowly, I mean very quickly. Very, very quickly. Visually, it looks incredible. It does. Well, it was a whole uh, big mistake by the computers that were supposed to release the water. And they washed away basically the entire set. And the panic you see on the actors' faces is real. Filmmaking oopsie daisies oh, sometimes wow. make for the best moments. Yeah. Um, 
So it took him like a whole week and a half to, to fix that and reshoot it, but... Whatever. It yeah, works. It worked. Everyone but Eggsy swims over to the toilets and, and gets pipes from the showers and, and puts them in the toilets so they can have a source of air. Right. Because that's a thing, which I did not know until I watched this movie. I was there like, you oh, go. You, if you're drowning, go to the, go to the toilet. Right. You can always breathe Suck toilet on the shit air. Pipe. That's, that's what you want to do. <laughs> It's better than dying, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Is it? Is the real question. Uh, well, I'm more concerned about this whole living situation where these seven dudes and one girl are- Two girls. Oh, right. Seven, five dudes, two girls? Five dudes, two girls. Are in this open air barracks with toilets. Open air toilets, by the way. With open air I toilets can't right there. the anxiety that came across me when I saw that. And then on the other side of those toilets, one way mirror. It's a problem. Yeah. It's uh, It's beds- Toilets, showers, one-way mirror, and no, that's where two-way mirror. Right, two-way mirror. Right, that's one more than what you said. Right, it's uh, it's the number of ways I said, but one plus one. Right, exactly. So, so what the fuck, everyone? Mark Strong is watching all these people shit and shower, <laughs> and also all of these teenage boys are watching these two girls shit and shower. Correct. They now know that girls poop. Ah, <sighs> the mystery's gone. Money can buy you a lot of things, but... It can't buy you experience. Or ignorance. That's right. That's probably the deepest thing we've ever said. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I blame the Dalmore and the Guinness. <laughs> but Eggsy, Eggsy goes over and he tries to pull the door open because he's like, you guys try to survive. I'm going to try to get us out because I'm, I'm from the streets. Right. The streets and the say, door, go to the door. The door doesn't open. Nope. So he swims the other side and he's like, I'm going to get through this two-way mirror because... I hope it's a two-way mirror. <laughs> Guys, I'm not sucking shit. And he, I cannot stress that enough. I'm, I'm not, not a shit sucker sucking like you rich kids. Shit. So he punches through the mirror, and Merlin's on the other side like, oh, shit, I might need to step back. <laughs> he punches through. The water empties out of the room, and he's like, hey, Roxy, Charlie, gang, good job with the pipes. That's how you survive. Eggsy, good job recognizing the two-way mirror, even though I'm not positive you recognize it. You just kind of sort of punch and shit. And- <laughs> Also, you all fail because Amelia drowned. Right, and she's all dedicated and just laying there. Yep. Oops. 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 Didn't know this was a team exercise. Thought yeah. we were competing Thought I was, to get a prize. Thought I was waking up in the middle of the night and drowning. <laughs> Wasn't thinking about Amelia. <laughs> Valentine and Gazelle meet with the Scandinavian princess, Tildy, played by Hannah Alstrom. This is a character. And they also- Eventually. They're, they're also meeting with Scandinavian prime minister, uh, who's got a name. Morton Lindstrom. Right. You can tell they're Scandinavian because they're white. Yes. Mostly. They're actually, it's weird that this says Scandinavian, but this says Swedish. Swedish. One of these is more specific than the other. I mean, sure. If you want to look at it that way, it's really all the same. <laughs> yeah. Sweden's more specific. No shit, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like Swedish better. I don't know why. Than Scandinavian? Yeah. What's your issue with? Scandinavian. Scandinavian to... prime minister doesn't sound right to me. I feel like that's not yeah, an actual position. Is kind of when you like lump in Finland and Denmark yeah. as well. Yeah, so you can't have a prime minister of all three. Who wrote this? I wrote Brian this. Brian wrote this. Wrote Brian this. writes this stuff. Yeah. Um, so what I meant to say was Swedish princess to me <laughs> and Swedish prime minister Morten Lindstrom. You did not expect I caught my own to, yeah. to really play a role tonight, did you? No, I didn't. I... It's our- our co-host. That's really, something I would have it. usually caught in the in the flux, but I'm a little turnt. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, no, what is happening right now? The King's Men. That's right. The King's Man. That's the new one that's coming out next year, maybe as long as you know movies happen again. Probably. 
So Valentine and Gazelle have these two over for dinner as Valentine proposes his plans for controlling climate change to them. And we don't really hear what his plan is during the meeting, but we know the prime minister is like, yeah, let's fucking do it. And the princess is like, y'all are crazy. Yeah. This is unethical. Uh, it's it's insane. And I will have no part of it. And I'm leaving. And that's when Sam Jackson jumps up and like holds her down in the chair and says, oh, no, you're not leaving. We're going to just make sure you're safe. Right. They were instrumental in getting the Scandinavian people on board for whatever this plan At least was. the Swedes. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and she wants nothing to do with it. And he's like, well. You're kidnapped. Fine. You have Along been... with a lot of other celebrities, because that's his MO. Right. He's a celebrity kidnapper, allegedly. Right. Iggy, it's not allegedly. Iggy Azalea is missing. It's not allegedly. We don't, we don't know this yet in the movie, though. We know Iggy Azalea is missing. We do know that. I don't know if we know that yet. I'm pretty because sure Because it know comes that... through on a news broadcast that we haven't talked about in the movie yet. Are you sure? Fairly certain. Either way, we did not make big enough deal. About Iggy Azalea being missing. You know what? When it happens. I'm okay with it. I'm very okay with it. You know, Igloo Australia I don't can know. go wherever she I don't needs know to. if she's listening. I don't know. Even if she is, I'll say it right now. Go away, Igloo wow. Australia. Oh, wow. I'd like to welcome you all to the beef that is Brian and Iggy Azalea. <laughs> I thought you were starting a new segment, The Beef. That's the. <laughs> Maybe I am. I Welcome don't know. Welcome to The Beef. We can't do This that. week, it's Brian versus You ever Iggy listen to uh, <laughs> the podcast, The Beef and Dairy Network? No. It's very funny. You should. Okay. The Beef and Dairy Network. Yeah. It's a very good comedy podcast. Sounds like fun. It's a blast. So the princess calls for her guards, and then Gazelle leaps into action. Like a like a gazelle. I see what you did there. You just said the name. <laughs> yeah. That she's named after. Yeah. Brian. She, uh, she, you know, has her prosthetic legs, which also have knives in them, and she starts kicking the, the princess's guards. Yeah, but it's real bad whenever she kicks, because she does the- She causes death. The, yeah. As Blade Runners are known to do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> she know, doesn't. Oscar Pistorius, he decided to use a shotgun because his blade running legs didn't have the knives. Fun story about him. Is there a connection? They wanted him to do the role, but they weren't sure he'd be convincing as a murderer. That cannot be real, first of <laughs> it's all. It's so real. You're kidding me. No, I'm not at all. Because in the comics, the, the part is it's a man. It is. And they wanted somebody who actually had prosthetic legs for the role. And he does. So they were going to offer it to him, but they weren't sure that he could convincingly play a murderer. To fill everyone in, this was not prepared. I had to Google it just now as Brian was talking. Oscar Pistorius is a South African sprinter who had his legs amputated when he was 11 months old. And he's an Olympic runner now because he has these blade running legs, if you will, that kind of look like gazelles in this movie. The real controversial thing about him is that he's now in prison for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Due to murder? For murder. Of his wife? Ironically enough. Yeah, he shot his wife. Girlfriend. Uh, girlfriend, was yeah. it? I don't know. I don't know how this stuff You're the works. one Googling it. Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> read it. I skimmed. That's fair. Either way, he killed his girlfriend. He's clearly convincing as a murderer, if you will. I'm convinced. He's now in prison for a very long time. Yeah, they also- uh... Oh, no, it's not even that long. It's only 13 years. Oh, wow. For murder? Yeah. Didn't he, like, shoot her through a door? Yeah, like a bathroom door. Yeah. Claimed he didn't know she was there. And they went, you definitely fucking knew she was there. Come on. Man. And he goes, but my legs. And they're like, no, 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 no. That doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work if you're just shooting willy-nilly through bathroom doors. Right. <laughs> uh, they also offered the part to Amy Purdy. And she took the role, but then she had to, because this movie got delayed so many times, she had to train for the Olympics. So 
That is a ridiculous bit of trivia that I was not prepared for. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about this movie. <laughs> After going through the whole 197 IMDb actual trivia facts. Don't, because I had to go through 1,300 different one-star reviews. Don't. I'm going to tell you right now, 197 IMDb trivia facts is about twice as many as there usually are. Oh my God, this movie. None of them all that interesting. So anyway, Gazelle kills the guards and they take Princess Tildy captive. The Kingsman recruits continue their training and they have to, you know, get puppies. Right, because that's that's what what you do do. when you train. Eggsy chooses a a small but very stubborn pug because he thinks it's a bulldog and it's going to grow and it never does. It never does because it's a fucking pug. pug. It doesn't have a neck. He chose a pug. It's adorable though. Sonny the pug. Right. He he plays JB. Right, for clearly James Bond or Jason Bourne. Nope. Nope, Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. Which is actually a little nice wink ding. It is. To the whole spy community. Yeah. I like that. Some time passes, you can tell, because everybody's hair gets longer and the dogs get bigger. Right, and Coma, and Colin Firth, as we forgot about, Colin Firth his, gets a beard. beard. He so, beards up. So you know, time has passed. Galahad recovers, and he, Merlin, and Eggsy learn that Professor Arnold had a chip implanted in his neck that resulted in his head exploding. So they're like, all right, microchip, got it. Similarly, the Swedish Prime Minister, I had to think about that because written down here is Scandinavian. Right. <laughs> he had the same implant with a scar under his ear like Arnold did. Which is very interesting intel. Merlin Scar behind is, the ear, bad. Merlin's picking up all this intel because Mark Strong, whew, he's, he's a wizard of finding smart. facts. He should be, he should be called Mark Smart. You're just going to go off of attributes. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy. Merlin <laughs> traces this um, chip back to the Valentine Corporation, but with thousands of employees, they don't really have much of a lead there. And Eggsy's like, oh, Valentine Corporation. That Valentine guy, he's a real genius. And they're like, what? He's you didn't hear about the news today? Yeah, let me look. show you the very convenient news of him launching this worldwide free SIM card that gives everyone free phone, free internet for life for forever, yada, yeah. yada, yada. My favorite part about this scene is it's Samuel L. Jackson doing a Tim Cook-style presentation, and it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Do you want free internet, motherfucker? <laughs> While they're watching this, this press release, fucking Merlin, man, he notices something on... Valentine's personal assistant. She's got a little scar behind her ear. So he's like, all right, this goes all the way to the top. We narrowed that down real quick. Yep, because we're the greatest detectives. And then the news also says something about a bunch of political leaders and celebrities going missing, like Iggy Azalea and whatnot. There you go. (laughs) So Galahad goes undercover to Valentine's estate to investigate further into Valentine's plans. There was supposed to be some sort of gala. It gets canceled. It gets because canceled because his because donation was just too damn big. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put this guy undercover, and he's gonna go into Valentine." And they're like, "I'll get you in." Whoops, gave him too much money. Now it's just a one-on-one dinner where they're gonna eat fancy McDonald's. That gag was really really funny until the fucking orange one in the White House decided to do that. Yeah, for like football teams coming in instead of instead of just Samuel Jackson dressed in all orange doing it. That's correct. Was this like a predictor? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I just know the guy really likes a Royale with cheese. That's French. Mm. Right. This movie's British. Yes. My bad. My bad. <laughs> and the character's American. Alicia Silverstone British, if you will. There you go. Of course. So the two of them eat their McDonald's dinner and they discuss their admiration for James Bond movies, which is which is a fun little- I love it. Oh, it's great, but also- uh, Do it again, actually. Nailed it. All right. I think two is warranted. Because even them, they're trying not to do it on right. screen, right. on purpose. And it's really, really nice how you have Samuel Jackson said that he loves all the gadgetry and all that stuff of the, the hero. 
And Colin Firth says, oh, I'm actually more, like, I'm drawn to the colorful megalomaniac villain, yada, yada, oh. It's like, okay, we get it, guys. You're clearly talking to each other. They're this both fine. They're both just so heavy-handed, like, as characters, not as, as actors here. They're heavy-handed right. as characters. And it's like, both of you. Uh, we get it. Are we neither of you doing. afraid that the other one's just going to kill you right now? <laughs> it's really well done when you think about it. It is, actually. Galahad doesn't get much information other than seeing the one uh, of Valentine's aides carrying a pamphlet for a hate group church in Kentucky. Where they're known to be. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you were going to rank the most likely states. Kentucky's way up there. Treading lightly here. I'm not. We've got a lot of Kentucky listeners. We do, but I'm just <laughs> but saying. But they know. They, they know. know. They know. It's like, <laughs> what does Kentucky do? It kills horses, it makes bourbon, and it has hateful churches. I'm sure it has really nice churches. I'm sure it sometimes lets horses live, but it still makes bourbon. Kentucky. I'd assume that it throws out more bourbon than most places, too, though. Right. It's the glue grass you know, that's out. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Dave. We've had too much to drink. <laughs> you never wonder why, like, Elmer T. Lee is one of the like, most sought-after bourbons? Elmer, horses... Put it together, bud. Are you telling me that there's horses in that bourbon? Possibly. There's definitely glue. Yum. <laughs> so the Kingsman recruits are down to Eggsy, Roxy, Charlie, and then three guys who don't have names. They're probably going to be around for a while. Their next assignment involves all of them jumping out of a plane and onto a very, very small target. Right. And Roxy, she's freaking out. She doesn't like heights. She's not a, I get she's not a fan of heights. I get it. Merlin tells them they need to figure out what to do when one of the teammates has no parachute. As they're falling. Everyone's falling. At yeah, the they're, they're all they're flipping. They're having a ball. Already falling. Like, all right, I can just hit that target. No problem. And then he's like, by the way, you guys got to figure out how to do this if one of you doesn't have a parachute. They're like, oh, no. Right. And you can tell who the dicks are because they pull the chutes pretty damn fast. Yeah. The, the first guy, he panics and he's like, well, I got to pull this now to see if it's me. It's not him. It's not him. He, he, he just. Whoop. Right. They try to buddy up, but this buddy system is real shitty. I think it makes sense the way they did it. It does. Well, no, they, because they form they, a circle. They form a circle, and then, but then you always have one person who's pulling, and then he's just gone for forever. Yeah. Well, you really only have to worry about if one person doesn't go. Right. So if somebody pulls it and they, they don't go, you have somebody already holding them, was the plan. That was the it plan. It makes sense. But that plan went out the window. That plan went fast. out the window because as it happened, each person had a parachute until it was down to just Eggsy and Roxy. And Roxy, already not having her best day, no. is freaking out and Eggsy's like all right well we got to do this so i'm just gonna hold on to you and we're gonna we're gonna pull the shoot and see what happens and he pulls her shoot and she's got a shoot and he holds on and they do a thing here that actual skydivers call a mr bill maneuver because it's, it's impossible and he would have died because he just holds on to her while she pulls her shoot and you know because of like forces and gravity and friction sure. all that stuff it's an impossible maneuver to actually pull off but he holds on to her and they All land right. without a problem right in the target. Dead on. After they set a new the record shoot, at 300 feet. 300 feet. Yeah, they waited waited the longest anybody ever has and still survived. Good for them. Uh, Merlin dismisses the three dudes without names because they don't have names. And no, it's because two of them missed the target and the one guy got caught by radar because he deployed too early. And also because they're ancillary characters. Of course. So now it's down to three. You got Dickhead Charlie, you got Roxy, and you got Eggsy. Eggsy, which is short for Gary. As we all know. Out. We all know that. Eggsy meets Galahad at a tailor shop where he takes Eggsy into a room filled with various weapons because, you know, you don't pop your cherry on fitting room two. And there's there's hand grenades that look like lighters, pens that trigger poison, pairs of shoes with poison tip blades, all the goodies. 
And as they return to the lobby, turns out the person in, in fitting room one was Valentine. Right. Getting getting a suit. He liked the suit so much that Colin Firth had, and this one Colin Firth's like, oh, fuck. Uh, he's like, oh. In, with an English accent. Right. Oh, fuck. <laughs> because, yeah, he uh, he had a tracing gel in the red wine that he paired with the Happy Meal. Right, because spy movie, man. Spy movie. <laughs> So these two are both tracking each other, but it looks like Valentine's got the upper hand right now because he's in the Kingsman headquarters. <laughs> right. Realistically, if Valentine just goes up those stairs, yeah, this movie's over. Yeah, he's uh he's already figured everything out. And Galahad's like, you're going to need a hat to go with that suit, so go to the store fucking away from here. And right. he does, and he goes and gets a top hat. Well, he gets a top hat that also has a bike in it, so it's like, hey, wow, Convenient. how about that? On their next assignment, Eggsy, Roxy, and Charlie are sent to pick up a young woman in a nightclub whose name is literally Herring. <laughs> How great is that? Amazing. I like how, as they're trying to pick her up, they're all diagnosing each other psychologically. Yeah. In a way, I'm like, like, oh, you're you're trying this technique? Oh, you're doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, negging. I haven't heard that. It's so good. It's phenomenal. It's a great scene. And then all three of them get drugged. Right, because that was actually what what it was. Because the, you know. Because the, the red herring. The herring, of course. Eggsy wakes up to find himself tied to train tracks, and an interrogator tries to get Eggsy to tell him about the Kingsman, but Eggsy refuses to talk. The train runs him over, but actually he's dropped into a hole because it's a test. Ah, it's a test the that? whole time. Galahad emerges and he's like, hey, you passed. So did Roxy. You want to watch Charlie? Charlie does not pass. Charlie does not pass. <laughs> he refuses to die for the Kingsman and they send him home. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. I'm going to do it early because it feels like now's the right time. Oh, dear. What, what do you got? I'm going to read this to you as it's written. During the test of the recruit's loyalty to Kingsman, when Roxy, whose scene of her tied to the railway tracks with a train hurtling towards her wasn't shown, but Eggsy and Charlie, both of whom were shown being interrogated by the interrogator, were tied to the railway tracks with a train hurtling towards them, <laughs> were probably wishing the train would break. So the actor Richard Brake's surname was rather apt. What? What is any of that? Wh- what? 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 This has what? been an actual IMDb trivia fact. What? Yeah, basically they're saying that the guy who played the interrogator was Richard Brake, and Eggsy and Charlie probably wanted the train to break. That's a lot like saying, I bet that when they were filming the movie, Knocked Up and the car broke down. No, 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 not I bet. This is a fact, Dave. When they were filming the movie, Knocked Up and the car broke down, I bet they wish they had a Judd Apatow. Perfect. Submit it. I bet you people will find it helpful. <laughs> no, they won't. They will. Do you want to know what That's... else people thought was no, helpful? No, I don't, but you're going to tell me Since anyway. we're here. Okay. When turned sideways, the Kingsman logo shows the letter K for Kingsman. This has been an actual IMDb trivia fact. Those have been my actual IMDb trivia facts. They're longer for the week. whenever you're drinking. They're, they take longer in your brain to acknowledge what you're saying. Yeah. That, and I don't that care checks for that. Out. I do not like them. So for their last test, Arthur and Merlin tell Eggsy and Roxy, respectively, to shoot their dogs. This is a tense as fuck scene because Eggsy goes into the room. Yeah. Michael Caine is sitting there. And he's like, oh, yeah, your father got this far. You should know that. By yeah. the way, here's a gun. Shoot your goddamn dog. Yeah. Right I like that first. Face. First, he's like, hey, she's a gun. And he points it directly at his face. Yep. And then he flips it around and he goes, shoot the dog. But first, he's asking him all these questions about the dog. Like, oh, you love your dog? What's the dog's <laughs> name? It's a great dog. What a cute dog. Kill the dog. Kill the dog. <laughs> and Eggsy, Eggsy holds the gun up to the dog's face. The dog is like, the dog is trembling. He is not doing well. We've talked about pugs now two of the last three weeks, and that's a problem. And this pug understands what a gun is, apparently. Yep. He's freaking he's seen out. some shit. And Eggsy's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then from the other room, you hear, bang. Roxy did it. Roxy did it. 
So Arthur sends Eggsy home. Yeah. He's like, you have failed, sir. <laughs> you failed to kill your dog. Oh, I failed Go you. Home. Oh, I failed you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eggsy gets home. He hugs his mother. And when he sees she has a black eye, he's like, all right, I'm going to the pub to find Dean. This is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so Eggsy, Eggsy pulls up to the pub and he's like, you send your goons away. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you right now. I'm getting out of this car right now. The doors of the car lock and it drives away. Right. All on it's spy stuff. Because it's a spy car. It's a Tesla. It's not. It's not. But still. <laughs> there was a Tesla in this movie, though. Was there? Yeah, it's the one. It's what dropped Galahad off at uh, Valentine's. I have a meeting. question about Tesla. We'll get there. We will get there. <laughs> All right. We will absolutely get there. I have the answer. It's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. I like that we're on the same step, but way the hell far ahead. Yeah. The car drives to Galahad. Galahad <laughs> goes, You idiot. Yeah. Hey, it was fun. a fucking blank. I love that first. He's like, all you had to do was kill the dog. And he's like, bro, I don't want to kill my dog. I can't believe you killed your dog. He's like, I didn't kill my dog. My dog died like 11 years later from pancreatic Right, because his, his dog is stuffed and it's sitting in his bathroom. Right. Because that's what normal Just like know. Eggsy's dad. Of course. As we all remember <laughs> from the beginning of this movie. <laughs> I look at my dad every time I shit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a blank. Also- Surprise, Amelia never drowned. She's alive. She's alive. She works for the co- the, the King's Men in the in Berlin. Berlin Division, whatever it is. Who knew they had multiple di- divisions? <laughs> <laughs> That's me making words right now, thanks to Guinness. Guinness is delicious. Gives you strength. The toucan told me. <laughs> I have a question for you. Galahad's office here. I know you're one for pausing movies and looking at, at things written out. Yeah, I have. Do you have, do you have a, a few favorites of these headlines that they... There's so many that it's really hard to pick out because there's a lot of newspapers from The Sun that are posted around the entire office. Because it's a Fox movie. Exactly. And as Eggsy's going through this office early in the movie, he's pointing out, he's like, oh, this headline. And Galahad's like, hey, it was this day where I saved the queen from an assassination. It was this day when I stopped the world from blowing. It was this day. And it's one of those things where I really like the character, how he understands that my job is to live in the background of the world. It's to be unseen, unheard, like... Like Buster Bluth. Of course. It keeps him humble. Yeah. And I appreciate that's what he does with this. These are the headlines from the days where I did insane things and saved the world and nobody knows about it. Exactly. I have a few of my favorite what headlines written down. Brad Pitt ate my sandwich. That's like right behind his head the whole time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Naughty nun touched my bum. <laughs> that's terrific wording. And my other favorite one was, I swear I thought they meant Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's a very good one. Yeah. Say hello to my little soda. So Galahad's like, you stay here. I got to go to this Kentucky hate group church right now. Says right now. Don't move. I'm going to Kentucky. Don't he's, move. He's like, sure. So like, I'll see you in an hour. I don't, what is <laughs> So Galahad goes to Kentucky and Eggsy just stays in his office. Right. <laughs> this is so dumb. As he sits and overhears the nasty sermon from the bigoted leader, Galahad starts to head to the door. He's like, all right. No, he because he realized that there, he's surrounded by hate, and he's. I think he kind of comes to the conclusion that there's nothing here. Yeah. And the woman next to him's like, "Where are you going?" And he's like, "I'm going to." I don't even have the speech written. Down I don't either. But it's bananas. so good. But he says, "Like I'm going to leave here and meet up with my black husband, Jewish boyfriend, Jewish yeah. boyfriend." And he ends up by saying, "So hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon." <laughs> Which Colin Firth saying that. It's terrific. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Well, small problem that happens instantly after this. It turns out that Valentine is across the street. Yes. Valentine is out of this zone of 
whatever. Out of what? Yeah, away from the sim the cards. D- death, if you will, will become the zone of death. And they fire up. He's got the a little. Sim cards. He's got a little briefcase command center where right, he, he they, fires it up. It's a test. It's a test run, and he launches it, and all these people in this church start to go a little cuckoo bananas. When you say a little, they all get violently angry and rageful and start murdering each other. Yeah, they all turn on each other and they're just throwing down in one of the most insane scenes I've ever seen in my life. It's absolutely wild. It's I love it because they lean into like the sermony part with the organs of Freebird. Yeah. Leonard Skinner. Oh, oh my god. And then the it kicks Freebird. into the musical part of it. And it's just ass kicking it's for so four straight good. minutes. Yeah. Th- There's nothing else but ass kicking. Vaughn wanted the shot to be seven minutes and they were like, why don't we cut it back a little bit? There's a lot going on here. I mean, you have stabbing, shooting people in the head, bludgeoning, impaling, blowing people up, and then eventually Galahad's the only survivor. Right. It's one of those things where you keep doing things crazier and crazier and crazier that eventually you feel jaded as the audience, which is a really cool magic trick to pull off. Yeah. And meanwhile, Eggsy, Merlin, and Arthur are all watching via Right, because Eggsy hasn't left his office yet because he's followed along. And also- Valentine is across the street, not watching because he right, can't because, see the violence. Oh, he can't. He's like, you turn it down. I can't even hear it. <laughs> so Galahad ends up being the only survivor. And you know what's interesting? IMDb usually has as one of the facts the body count of each movie. They didn't have it for this one. So the body count for this movie, it's a tricky one to figure out because a lot of people die off screen. Yes, a lot, a ton. I went to moviebodycounts.proboards.com to try to figure out the answer to this. Nice. They estimate that 297 people die on screen. Okay. In the church scene alone, it's 52. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of people to take your time yeah. to kill because it's individual kills. It is one-on-one. That is all. Oh, I should say. It's all the people that Galahad kills. Right. Wow. <laughs> That's absolutely insane. Do you know what I actually really appreciate about this scene? The action never leaves the center of the frame, so you don't have to like look around, and you don't get disoriented watching Right, but scene. it does some crazy things where you have these quick speed-ups, Yes, and then the action hits really hard. It'll be like a very quick motion, and then a, a spear goes through somebody or something like that, and then it speeds up again, and it moves. It's so it's well done. It's so cool. It's I so well it. done. I love it. And it's it. supposed to like feel like a one It is. But it's but definitely it's not a one 100% it, not. It is so well done, it's though. It's very well done. So anyway, Galahad walks outside, and there is Valentine and Gazelle waiting for him. Right. And Valentine's like, the signal from the SIM cards triggered aggression and repressed inhibitors, just making these people all murdery, including you, because you're in earshot of the SIM cards. And he takes out a gun, and he shoots Galahad in the head, killing him. And well, Eggsy's like, ah! And Valentine is like, oh my god, I just killed somebody. Right. <laughs> I like the lead up to this, too, because as the two are talking, Valentine walks up to me and says, as the villain here, I should tell you my entire plan, my entire scheme, my entire motivation, yes. yada, yada, yada. And he stops and he says, but it's not this type of movie. Love it. Wink, ding. Love it. Bang. Love it. Love In the it. best way, though. The it's best so kind of heavy good. hands. Yes. I love, so love, good. love that moment. It's not that it's kind of movie. so good. <laughs> Well, because he's talking about it as if they're in a movie, like right. this were a movie. Because yada, yada. Way, oh, God, it's so good. It's so fucking good. It's bro. framed so well from their conversation prior to the movie. So Eggsy goes back to the tailor shop to meet with Arthur. And he mentions that Galahad had recorded Valentine's confession and pours a drink in Galahad's honor. He's like, this isn't really, we don't, we're not really following the rules here, but you know what? Fuck it. He really liked you. <laughs> and they're sitting there. They're about to have their, their however old. Right. Uh, it's like an infinity brandy. bottle at that point, I'm assuming. Just but, like just this yeah. st- stupid old brandy that they exactly. only use for when people 
croak in the Kingsman. But then Eggsy goes, look over there. And, and Michael well, Eggsy, goes, oh. Eggsy notices on, on, on Arthur's- Right, uh, the scar. He's got a scar under his ear, and he's like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> and it turns out Arthur was swayed by Valentine when he proposed his plan of mass genocide because he thinks that mankind is a virus on the planet and wiping them out would be beneficial. So he has tried to convince all these world leaders to join him in his plan, and somehow he got Arthur along. How about that? Eggsy's going to be sitting there as they pour out the brand. He goes, hey, look over there. And Arthur just does. Yeah, and Arthur's like, oh, yeah, they, those are old Kingsmen. Good, good eye. Good eye, kid. Cheers. And uh, he, he, they toast to Galahad. They both drink. And Arthur takes out his pen to activate the poison. And Eggsy is like, oh, I know what that pen does. Looks like I'm going to die now. And he does it. And then Arthur dies. Right, because they switch the cups. Because <laughs> Eggsy's like, like, you son of a bitch. He's like, you know what's great about us poor folk? Light-handed. <laughs> right. We're not Favros. I, I learned all sorts of stuff from you guys here, and I'm thankful for that. But sleight of hand, I already had that covered before I came Boom. Here. Ow. Michael Caine, out. Michael Caine, dead on the table. I want to talk more about him after this movie. Okay, we'll do that. Eggsy goes to Merlin and Roxy with the information he just received because he knows he can trust, well, at least Roxy. I don't know why he thinks he can trust Merlin because Merlin is Mark Strong and Mark Strong is always a bad guy. And that's why every time I watch this movie, I'm surprised because- Because he's amazing. Because I'm always like, all right, so I know at some point in this movie, Mark Strong turns and and of course, Michael Caine is always the good guy. And then every time the movie blows my mind. We'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. So Eggsy goes to Merlin and Roxy. And they're like, oh, we can't go to the other Kingsmen because we don't know who's been compromised. So it looks like it's down to the three of us to save the day. Right. Meanwhile, Mark Strong, Merlin, not even a real Kingsman. He's like, he's like just the guy behind the scenes. <laughs> sure. He wears a sweater vest. He doesn't have one of the cool he suits. He doesn't have a cool suit. He's got a sweater vest. How are you going to trust that guy? I didn't even, is it a vest? It might just be a sweater. Proper sweater. He, I don't know. He even has sleeves. You can't trust this guy. <laughs> doesn't even have a sweater What's vest. What's up your sleeve? I wouldn't ask that question if you're just wearing the vest of the sweater. So the plan is this. Roxy is going to go into the atmosphere because she loves heights on two <laughs> giant balloons and launch a missile at one of the right. Valentine satellites to interrupt the chain and stop the, the cell phones from picking up the signal. Right. Sure. Meanwhile, Merlin and Eggsy are going to infiltrate the base where Valentine is hosting his end of the world party. In a safe zone, as they call it. Yeah, the safe so, zone. So realistically- Merlin sends up the proper Kingsman yes. to do a garbage fucking job and sends Eggsy in to do the really hard job that yeah. the Kingsman probably should have done. Well, the problem is they need to use the cover of Arthur, so they have to have somebody who's believable as Chester that King. checks out. You're right. What confuses me is that Merlin is not one of the Kingsmen, like right. I just said, but we find out in the first scene of the movie that it was actually his recruit that became Lancelot. Correct. So Merlin gets a recruit even though he's not a king. Does it matter? Doesn't. No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> so Eggsy uses Arthur's invitation and poses him to get inside the party. It works. It works. He's in. He's in the party. He's like, uh, give me a, a a martini. I don't have a martini ready. Three gin martini. I thought ahead on this one. I should for 10 seconds while glancing at an unopened bottle of vermouth. That's insanity. It's a very- First of all. It's a great order. I thought about getting That's a martini gin. to do this, but- We've gone too far. We have gone too far. <laughs> Roxy gets high enough to, to see the satellite, but one of the balloons bursts before she can get the shot off. You know, tension. Luckily, she launches the missile before the other balloon bursts and sends her plummeting back to Earth. But, you know, she gets a shoot. She's fine. She lands She's safely. She's totally fine. What I really like about inside this party is that Eggsy, once he puts on the suit, it's like he's another man. Oh, and we've all been there. Whenever absolutely. I put on a suit, I feel like I'm not even. I feel so classy. Yeah, you feel so good. I'm like, oh, I'm a gentleman. I'm going to ask before I sit down. 
But I like how he goes up to the the Sweden prime minister man, and his line here is, "Society's dead. Long live society." Long live society. And it's one of those like turning your nose up at the rest of the world. It's <laughs> such a good line. It was very good. It's so good. Knocks out the prime minister there. Yeah, he tranquilizes him. Gets on the internet. Gets there. to the the yeah. laptop, and then that's he, how Mark Strong's able to exactly. He hacks yeah. Merlin into the the network. Pretty neat. He's Pretty doing awesome. spy stuff. Doing spy things. Charlie shows up. Because his family got invited. Because they're real rich. He gets invited. I like that he came back. And he holds Eggsy at knife point, and he's like, hey, Valentine, this guy's a spy. (laughs) And Eggsy's like, shit. And he electrocutes Charlie with his his electricity ring. Right, as we all know. We all have him. We saw earlier in the the room. (laughs) And then he runs back to the plane while evading and shooting various Valentine's gunmen. Right. (laughs) Words. Words are hard right now. Meanwhile- the missile hits Valentine's satellite. It goes and, kablooey. And delays the, the signal from going live right before it launches, obviously. Of course. It's like, three, two, oh no, we lost a satellite. Oh no. So Valentine- using Verizon. Valentine <laughs> immediately gets on the phone with E. Now this is my question. Is, yes. This is definitely Elon Musk. 100%. It's okay. got to be Elon Musk. Got it. And he activates the signal. And he piggybacks off of Elon Musk's satellite, And right? he piggybacks off of right. Elon Musk's satellite because SpaceX satellites- of course, Elon Musk has got one just nearby that he can send over to complete of the ring. Of course. Merlin's doing his hacky hacks, and he shuts down the system or whatever, and then he finds out there's a biometric scanner. Right around the time that Exit gets back to the plane, they're like, <laughs> let's get out of here. And then uh, Merlin's like, actually- You gotta go back, You gotta go bud. back and kill Valentine because it's his hand that's gonna that's gonna ruin the world. Right. So Exit's like, shit, all right. And he runs back in with guns because there's guns on the plane. That he didn't bring the first time. Well, he didn't take guns oh, so much. He takes the umbrella. The umbrella. Yeah, straight up umbrella. He loves that umbrella. Loves that umbrella so much. Well, it was it was his mentor, his now former mentor's weapon of choice. Of course. Runs out screaming, this is my umbrella, umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is this is my umbrella. This is my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Very different movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can you imagine that? But there's so many of Valentine's gunmen, and they're also they're they're bringing the missiles from the the opening of the the layer over to the sure plane to to threaten Mark Strong too. Shenanigans are afoot. And everyone is knows it. Cornered by gunmen on each side, and he's like, "Well, shit, what do we do?" Oh wait, Merlin, you remember remember how we saw that all of those chips that made you immune to the, the, next, the SIM card right. thing also blew up people's heads. Right. So the way that Valentine has it set up is that anyone who doesn't have this chip will. Violently kill each other. They'll go crazy, yeah. And they'll, fine. But then anyone who has a chip in the the neck, he is in full control over in a way because it heats up the everything and- He can always blow their heads. He can explode them. Not everybody who has one of these knows that. In fact, I would would imagine that nobody who has one of these chips knows that he can blow up their head at any time. Right. He doesn't know that pretty much Valentine's got a explode button. Yeah. So Merlin triggers the implants and we get this awesome scene- this fireworks display of everybody's heads blowing up to pomp and circumstance. Yep. And it is amazing. Yeah, and it's the, the way their heads explode is just a a puff of color, yep. if you will, like a cloud of- Like a mushroom cloud right. of purple and orange and pink. And, and the colors are nuts. It's amazing. And it's such a cool scene. It's a very cool scene. To the point where after it's over, Mark Strong is like, that was fucking fantastic. <laughs> and you're like, you're goddamn right it was. So after all that happens, Eggsy is, is standing in front of a, a door to a cell. Oh, God. And inside is Princess Tilda, and she's like, what the fuck is going on out there? 
and he opens up the little window and he's like, "Hey, are you a princess? That's you're that princess that's missing. Uh, if I save the world, can I can I give you can I get a kiss from you? Because I've always wanted to kiss a princess." She's like, "You can do more than that. If you save the world." We can do it in the asshole. That's a direct quote. That's the actual line. <laughs> if you save the world, we can do it in the asshole. Right. Um, yeah, that went zero to a thousand. Yeah, real quick. That was um and he and he was just like if this were fast and furious. I'll be right back. And a ten second car is considered a fast car. This is a four second car. Yeah. This dude was just like, Can I get a kiss if I save the world? And she was like, You can put it in my butt. Right. Instead of getting pink slips, gets brown slips. <laughs> oh no problematic man for the movie not your joke not the the, the movie oh without a doubt it is (laughs) (laughs) valentine activates the signal people beat each other up in london rio new york the world the world is fighting each other michelle is back at at her house trying to kill the baby who right roxy was like hey eggsy says lock the kid in the bathroom and throw away the key right and i think more importantly is we get a baseball stadium oh no and that baseball stadium (sighs) Here we go. Is the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium, which is a New York Mets affiliate. So once again, we have a sort of apocalyptic New York Mets sighting. <laughs> More what dystopian is Mets. They're the official team of the end of times. <laughs> Do you remember back in the day when they did the stupid jerseys, like the futuristic jerseys? And it was like the yeah, Mercury Mets and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like here they could have just done like the apocalyptic Mets and it would have been the most appropriate thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to have a, a lock on the post-apocalyptic. It blew my mind. It didn't blow mine at all. In fact, as soon as it happened, I was like, I'm going to hear about this. <laughs> Brooklyn Cyclones. New York Mets Philly. Brooklyn Cyclones. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Eggsy gets back to where Valentine and, and Gazelle are, and he starts shooting at them from, from downstairs up into their, their loft with the glass, and he's like, Merlin, find me a path. And it doesn't really matter because Gazelle is about to jump down, and they're going to fight. Right. As, I mean, Samuel Jackson's got his hand on the... Whatever it is. On the, the little biometric sure. scanner. that, and, and I like how yeah. the, the you have the music cue and you also have- the, And the fireworks. It's the, great. It's and really you have the disco fun. ball that's playing there. And it's one of those things that you could tell whenever he has his hand on it. It's yeah. a fun like gag. It's, it's a fun so visual good. cue. But it's also like, like it. all right, shit's going down if there's music, disco balls, right. and pyrotechnics. You know what? This is actually where I'm going to mention him. Okay. Henry fucking Jackman. Yes. This blew my mind because Henry fucking Jackman is out of his mind in this entire movie. <laughs> but here especially where he's mixing a a proper like 70s disco along with the soundtrack mm-hmm. and it is beautifully done. It's unreal. Yes. Henry fucking Jackman. Henry fucking Jackman, absolutely. That's earlier than we usually do it, but It is, it's warranted, warranted. here. Absolutely. Probably should have mentioned him in the pub scene earlier. Oh, yeah. And I'm okay that we didn't. I'm okay that we saved it now. Eggsy and Gazelle fight. It goes on for a while, but eventually Eggsy poisons her with the blade in his shoe. Right. Got the her. End. Got her. And then he's like, ah, oh, I still got to kill Valentine. So he pulls off one of her legs <laughs> and he he hurls it at, at Samuel L. Jackson. Right, like the Olympian Oscar Pistorius, just a general Olympian. He javelins the leg. <laughs> javelins the leg, impales Samuel L. Jackson, who falls from up there. Where he is. Up there. What are you, fucking Romeo talking Juliet? Well, that's uh, Samuel Jackson basically Juliet? on a balcony. So, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, the signal is deactivated. Everybody's not killing anybody anymore. Right? Well, most people are not killing any. There's probably still well, a few murderers. There is, but I, I love how Eggsy walks up to Samuel Jackson. And Samuel Jackson's like, oh, is this the part where you say some clever pun before I die? And Eggsy goes, as you said, it's not, not that, that type of movie. 
which is both the clever pun ah! and not. Oh, it's so God, good. It's so good. So good. Oh my God, I love it. So Merlin and Roxy are like, hey, good job, Eggsy. You saved the world. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to grab this bottle of champagne and two glasses and go back to Tilly's sweat Right, cell to do some butt stuff. To do some butt stuff, which, oh my God, I don't think she ever thought this movie was going to be in HD because you see <laughs> everything. Well, the, the last shot you see is him, her, her looking back seductively and then him looking down on her actual bottom. Yes. And Mark Strong going, oh, no, 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 no. Close the screens. Can't watch this. Yeah. He totally watched it. You th- yeah, he probably did. He totally watched he it. He was like, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was in like a little cabinet in the plane. Of course, everybody's got. That. Everybody knows that Merlin is really just old English for cuckold. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Proper wizard. I'm pretty sure I saw that in Canterbury Tales. It was like one of the last books of that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so then we get a post-credit scene, well, like a mid-credit scene, where Michelle and Dean are at the pub, and Eggsy enters dressed in a very nice suit. And he tells Michelle that his new job has given him benefits, including a new home for him and his mom and his sister living away from Dean. You didn't realize that they didn't say dental because they're English? I'm convinced <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I get it. I have bad teeth, I get Vanessa. It. Vanessa. <laughs> so Dean goes to bully Eggsy again because that's his, that's his move. And Eggsy goes to lock the front door and he's like, manners maketh man. Oh, boy. And he grabs the glass with the umbrella hook, and he throws it in Dean's face, and then he faces the other goons, and he's like, are we going to stand around, or are we going to fight? Wink to the camera. And that's the movie. Fiend. And that is Kingsman. The Secret, the Secret Service. Service. From either 2014, 2015. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter when. One of those years. This movie kicks. All the ass? It's a lot of asses. So much ass. There are a lot of holes. You see one of them at the end of the movie. You do see, a, that's, yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bunghole. I have other holes that I noticed this time. Again, oh. I love this movie. Yeah. It's, I think it's great. Fantastic. It's not a cool two hours, nine minutes. It does take a little time, I think. I mean, I don't know. There's some slowdowns. There's a couple times where, where I can probably pick up pace, but I think I never looked at my watch like, is this movie still on? It was, it kept my interest the whole time. I didn't. Oh, it definitely At, at the end of it, time. I wasn't like, wow, it was that long? <laughs> Fair enough. So. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Really bothers me. In this movie, because he's barely in it. Yeah. But the way that he's written in is that his sort of character twist is supposed to be like this grand thing. And I like what you said earlier about how you expect Mark Strong to turn because Mark Strong plays bad guys. Yeah. And you expect Michael Caine to kind of hold his own because he plays good guys. Yeah. And obviously, Michael Caine turns this thing, and it's seemingly out of nowhere. Seemingly. Because we know nothing about this character, because we have barely seen this character right. that you're really just playing off of that's Michael Caine that's Michael Caine and it's a weird su- sort of forced suspension of disbelief of we understand the actor so well that they force that into the movie and it works because of that it's not clever filmmaking at all no it's one of it's, those things it's of like man- it's manipulation it's, very it's emotional it's, manipulation it's really it's well done it's not the only thing that I feel that way about this movie because as soon as they introduce Roxy and her and Eggsy get along, you're like, all right, these two are going to fall in love. And the final 100%. the final task is going to be they have to fight each other. But thing is, obviously. they're so supportive. No, I took it that they were going to take the step farther, that Eggsy was going to get in the Roxy butthole. If that if that's the way you want to look at how. Well, yeah, no, no, that's that's what I'm saying. But oh, then okay. their final task to become a Kingsman would be to fight each other. And that was going to be the whole thing. OK, I get what you're saying. But instead of the dogs. So it's very forced upon it that Eggsy and Roxy are sort of they have feelings for each other and that they get along. But then it doesn't ever go. This anywhere. movie does an interesting thing where it like sets things up for you to have an expectation. And then it just 
says, nope, not but doing that. But it's not that. even subjecting it. It's, it no. misleads you. It, it is misleading, I think. Because subjecting it, as we've talked about, is kind of like a, a whole Last Jedi situation there, where that whole movie just subjects your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is more just, I'm going to take you down a path that's not going to go anywhere sometimes. Because the Roxy thing doesn't go anywhere. I mean, they're they're friends, I guess, kind of. Yeah, but it's set up that they're not. It's set up that they're going to be more than friends. That is 100% that's how it's set up. And I think that is just a, a misdirect. Okay. It's very weird. It's very weird. But uh, like some fucky things. Every time I watch it, which has now been like three, four times. Sure. I'm like, all right, I remember how this goes. Mark Strong turns and, and these two are in love and then they have to fight each other at the end. And then, of course, Eggsy is the one who becomes the Kingsman. But that's not how it goes. It's not how it goes. Eggsy loses. Eggsy it's loses. Great. The thing that always gets me, I'm sitting here sitting like... As she's floating into space, Roxy, and I'm like, okay, I know he gets the butthole at the end of this. I know that. <laughs> Whose butthole but, is? <laughs> but like emotionally, how does that affect Roxy? <laughs> That's true. Emotional. What well, the thing is, y- you don't know. I mean, he's been watching her poop for how long? Look at I how, know. Look at how long his hair got. It's true. He's probably watched her poop a lot. It's a weird movie. It's a very. What do you think about it? Very strange movie. Rotten Tomatoes, one one hundred. Where do you think? Eighty two. Seventy four. Okay. Audience scores eighty four. Ah. Roger Ebert was busy the weekend this came out, so he didn't see it. Busy doing what? He had a, he went to a ball game, probably. Yeah. In heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what year this movie it's came like out. Oh no, no, dreams. no! He was dead. Both of them. <laughs> Richard Roper did see this though. He says on day one of filming, they must have thrown away the moral compass and taken a group vow to splatter our sensibilities with stylish, gratuitous violence and one wait what moment after another. <laughs> He gives positive. I think it was like a three out of four or something. Like okay. That. I was like, I, I couldn't tell if it was a positive or negative review. Well, this one you'll understand pretty well. Kyle Smith from New York Post says, borrows the tone, story, characters, and humor of Kick-Ass, only this time in a 007 world instead of Batman's. Nearly everything it does, it does poorly. This one is weak ass. No, that's that's false. I agree. What's interesting, though, is that Mark Strong himself is like, this movie will be to bond what Kick-Ass is to superhero movies. Which I think is an accurate description. I think it lands. I think it lands too, and so. I think Mark Strong's right in a weird sort of way because of Amazon.com, the monsters there that, oh boy. that reside there. Uh, this movie does have a 4.5 out of 5. There are 18,600 reviews, which is fucking nuts. That's so many. 74% are five star, 4% are one star, both kind of high in their own right. If yeah. you know. There were 1,600 reviews that I had to go through. That's ins- You went through all of them? Every single one. Why? Because I love our listeners oh. so damn much. I would have given up halfway at least. Oh, no, I wanted to. I complained <laughs> to you. You did. And <laughs> then I went, texting. you think that's bad? 197 IMDb facts. <laughs> Man, you had to deal with 197 probably fake facts. I had to deal with <laughs> probably 1,600 actual Trolls. living human beings. I only pulled a few because- uh, there's just so damn many. Most of them were saying this is supposed to be James Bond, but it's not. It's like they openly said, Good job. <laughs> this is not that type of movie. Yeah, twice. twice in this movie. They reminded you that's not this movie. Oh, boy. So from January 8th, 2018, awful movie, generic and trashy, seemed like the trailer parked James Bond with a budget, which is funny to say because Wait a minute. repeatedly <laughs> the things I saw researching for this movie, I couldn't find the actual budget. I had to do math to figure out the budget because it said on everything I read, this movie costs 
one-third the cost of the $200 million Skyfall that was being filmed at the same time. That's so weird. And it was like, why word it like that? Why not just tell me what this costs? Because you got to gotta put it in bond terms. It did cost $81 million. That is what I found without even <laughs> trying. You know what's funny? IMDb listed the actual number. Wow, they got one. They were like, hey, $81 million was the budget on this. Estimated. Trailer Park James Bond <laughs> is something I didn't think I wanted to see till now. So here's the thing about that. That's classism. Class because Eggsy is not from a <laughs> No, too Don't joke. Don't joke. You have no idea where these are going. Oh no. Yeah, they're gonna go down a weird place real soon. I mean that's, <laughs> that's actually the concept of the movie though. That's fair. So From August first, twenty fifteen. This was way too violent for me. Think pulp fiction. If you like that, you may like this movie. Nothing like other action movies like The Avengers or Men in Black, which I really enjoyed. I wouldn't say they're nothing like them. You're comparing three different things. Totally different. But And they openly say it's nothing like these other action movies, like these PG thirteen ones. Right. It's not like these PG thirteen action movies. Right. There's a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger called Last Action Hero, which is nothing like any of this stuff either. <laughs> That's true. Brian has a look of shock and suspense on his face. What's up, bud? Is Last Action Hero on the Ebert list? I don't think it's a comic. It's got hero in the title, Dave. But action hero. I mean... Buddy, I will not fight you on that movie. <laughs> I absolutely adore that movie. Uh, I haven't watched it in so long, but... It's awesomely bad. Exactly. Leo Lafat's gonna break wind one more time. Something <laughs> like that. Close enough. Now, here's the weird thing that I discovered about the movie Kingsman. And this part blew my mind. As you understand, we live in a very partisan uh, society yeah. at this moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people around the world want to let you know that. Especially on Amazon.com. Of course. So, from November 9th, 2017, leftist propaganda of the worst kind, from overtly marrying republicanism and evil, supporting abortion and killing Christians, who are, of course, all bigots, to having global warming as the main theme, it's no wonder this film is void of entertainment. It just generally was cheesy and dumb. I'd rather have just gone to a town board meeting instead. Jesus. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. They're especially ending it with the Jesus. First of all, the global warming plot was tied directly to the leftist, the, the Republican villain that you right. So uh, Hold on. I want to stop you before you go any farther. And I'm going to say, from June 17th, 2015, any movie that imagines that select members of the British aristocracy would team up to do anything for anyone else is suspect. <laughs> but when President Obama is depicted as a villain whose head explodes, you really have to wonder about the mental state of the filmmakers. Add to that a very formulaic plot, young guy with no clue saves the world after old guys screw up, and you've got a movie only a Fox News fan could appreciate. <laughs> One hopes that the cast will be more careful about picking scripts next time. That's phenomenal. So you have... Both sides are both saying, sides. this movie is all about the other side. And it gets even fuckier. Oh. Because <laughs> on November 26, 2017, ruined by a rubbish joke that strikes pure tin in our Trumpian era. And it gets even fuckier because <laughs> from June 26, 2015, didn't appreciate the insult to the Republican Party. Stop watching. Wow. Is, what is happening? This is this movie... more of a state of the world where we are now is that things are one side or the other for no fucking reason? 
Is that where we are? Because I think what I think what people are trying to say here is Kingsman, choose a fucking side. But you don't need to. It's not that at all. This is England. I know. <laughs> that's, that's what's most hilarious about it. Is it's it's neither. It's and, not even America we're talking and about. And both people both sides are like, hey, you can't wait a minute. You, hold on. <laughs> what the hell's happening, man? I don't know. This world is I don't want to try to unpack society. Here's right the now. thing. This isn't the time or place. <laughs> Especially after the amount of boost we've had. <laughs> Very fair point. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say that the Amazon reviews are fucky as a result of the world being fucky. That's very correct. So <laughs> that blew my mind. Oh, that, that is this unreal. sort of thread unpacked itself. The last one I have actually made me curious about a few different things. Oh. And I understand where it's coming from. And it sort of lands. And it's from June 26, 2015. It says, Good script made less so by gratuitous cultural gerrymandering. Cultural gerrymandering. And that's a term I never thought I'd have to ever hear in my life. And I think that is very appropriate to this movie. I'm going to need you to break that down for me like I've been drinking all night. So cultural gerrymandering, I think, sort of pushes the limits, pushes the boundaries of what it is to be a fan of something. Where you have a James Bond type feel, but you need to mix in a sort of more action-y superhero type feel, if you will. Right. Where Let's say you have a 007 film that's kind of in the foundation of this, but you also need to mix in these insane action sequences that you're not going to find anywhere else. Yeah. Just to pull in another certain amount of the audience. It's one of those things where whenever I talk about Christopher Nolan... And people understanding, like, oh, I get that, I get that, I get that. I feel like this movie is playing to a bunch of different types of people. It wants to be one movie, but it has to include all these other people so it can be successful. Cultural gerrymander. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. And, man, put a fucking implant in my neck. My head just exploded a little bit. I thought it was a great way of putting it. That is absolutely accurate. Yeah. I don't know if it deserves a one star for it. I don't either. This guy gets a five star in life. Yeah. But that review, helpful. I absolutely agree. I'll go back in and I'll put a mark as helpful. <laughs> give him the thumbs up. Right. And on that note, let's give this thing a super stuff score. Yeah. Well, you know what actually we're going to do right now instead. And now for another edition of the Cape Podcasters Theater. I'm terrified because I actually have no idea where you're going with this one. And you're about to hand me a script and I've never seen it. And I'm scared. I'm scared. Cape podcasters theatra as always i got a script here written quote unquote by a bot it's actually comedy writer keaton patty he's actually very uh twitter famous oh yeah i've read a lot of his stuff since we started doing this and not just for these scripts but like he's he's hilarious uh there was one that was very very good that i saw from him a few weeks ago how it was national talk like a pirate day and you're r then he wrote underneath National Talk Like a Pittsburgh Pirate Day, and all I said was, we're not good at baseball, and it made me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, he's he's very funny. He's actually got a book coming out with a bunch of these scripts on November 17th. You can pre-order it now on Amazon.com. It's called I Forced a Bot to Write This Book, AI Meets BS. I will be buying it 1,000%. I love giving him the plug, because if he ever finds that we're doing this, he probably won't be happy, but or or maybe he'll be buy like, his book. like, cool. Fine. You're promoting my book, so go ahead. So once again, uh, just like last week, I'm going to give you a choice, Dave, because uh, Keaton Patty forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Bond movies and then asked it to write a Bond movie of its own. This is my dream. Here's the first page. Okay. Do you want to play James Bond or a um, 
suggestively named woman. The second one. You want the okay? I, I very badly want to play suggestively named woman. Well, then I will be doing the part of Bond and also the narration. <laughs> I just looked at the name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you thought pussy galore was bad, <laughs> and now James Bond, Quantum of Quantums. <laughs> Interior, fancy casino and somewhere weird, probably Asia. Several wealthy people sit at a blackjack table. We focus on a beautiful woman, Clitty Tinder. <laughs> She's sexy and alive. She gets a blackjack and wins 500... You didn't come prepared for this. Sextillion dollars. You didn't come prepared for this. How appropriate that it was sextillion. That makes sense. James Bond, a guy who kills everyone, sits next to her. You seem quite hot. Oh, you're going Connery. Oh, All right. you know it. Clitty smokes a cigarette shaped like a penis, which is any cigarette. I win, I lose. Such is life. What is your name? The name's Bond. Bond Bond. Your name is... Bond 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 Bond. <laughs> Bond bets a stack of Pringles. The dealer is unsure, <laughs> but the pit boss nods, saying Pringles are perfectly fine. The dealer deals everyone cards. Kitty is dealt two queens. Yes, queens! Bond is dealt a seven and a tarot card. Yash, Bond. <laughs> An evil-looking guy walks up behind Clitty and licks her neck for a while. <laughs> the dealer is unsure, but the pit boss nods, saying neck-licking is perfectly fine. I stay with 20. I hit. Bond gets another card. It's a brick card from Sellers of Catan. <laughs> Bond thinks for a moment, and then he eats it whole. Uh, brilliant? <laughs> it's something. <laughs> that's one of the more believable ones that a bot wrote it. That's true. Uh, that's been another edition of... The Cape Podcast is theater. Theater. Let's give this thing a super stuff score. Let's Please. do that right now. But first. Oh, you're getting me now. I can see. I am, because we are talking Kingsman. You've never seen the second one, right? I'm not sure if I have or not. Well, I don't remember the second one. I'll put it that way. If I say the word statesman, does that land at all with you? No. Okay. You've never seen the second one. But I want to get you excited for the second one, because in the second one, it's all about booze. Because when they go to the States... They go to a distillery called Statesman. Oh, okay. And they teamed up with Old Forester. Well, look at that. To create the Statesman. The Statesman. And Old Forester has included it as one of their offerings now for forever because- For forever. That's what they want to do, I guess. Old so, Forester for forever. This Statesman. is actually the Statesman here, Old Forester Statesman, is inspired by Kingsman 2. There you go. But we're talking about Kingsman 1. I know, but I'm so excited to talk about the second one one day and also booze. Also booze. I mean, hey, why not? It'll make for a very interesting cup to podcasters, which again is our show on Twitch that happens most Mondays, as long as you subscribe and uh, and pay attention when our, our notifications come out. Twitch.tv slash podcasters. It's way easier to say that time, I think because of booze. I read online about the Statesman bottle here, and they said it's pulled from the warmest parts of the distillery, like the warehouse, like those types of barrels and stuff. You got to keep it warm. Right, but it's that, got like- That's the secret? I guess so. It's got like this cherry and vanilla taste to it. It kind of tastes like Colin Firth is still alive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I might have seen the second one. <laughs> oh, boy. Super stuff! Super stuff! Um, Start, as always, story motivation. It's your basic rags to riches. It's a rags to riches. It's also like a, I got nothing better to do. I'll follow my father's footsteps kind sure. of story. I think- the villain has better motivation than the hero in this one. I agree. I think the story as a whole is probably like a point five. Yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's okay at best, though. Point five it is. Hero. He's got to be heroic. He's extremely heroic. 
he's got to dive in there. It's not even his job to dive in there when you think about it. It's not. He's he's officially not a Kingsman. He got sent home with his pug. That's right. And and he was relieved of his duty. He just happened to be in the office when when his former mentor was in Kentucky. Right. I really like Eggsy because he actually does get proper training. Because even when he's being heroic, he's being yeah. part of a team, he understands what's going on here. Even with the whole parachute thing, he goes off on Mark Strong saying, like, why was I the Mark? Why did I not have a parachute? I love that and Mark scene. Strong says, you don't talk to me that way. You come here and talk to me. You, and if, he you says, have, if you have a hey, complaint, you come and whisper it in my ear. When he comes up to him, he says, get that chip off your fucking shoulder. And he pulls, and he the, pulls parachute. the parachute. It's Everyone had a parachute. So, so fucking good. Everyone had a parachute. Everyone had a parachute. And I, yes. But he's learning. That's what it is. Exactly. He's learning. And what I really love about this character is they set him up as already being able to excel. Like, like he's he has a bad background. He's got poor upbringing or something. Right, but he he's is got a properly extremely he is smart. Smart. He he has aced all of his standardized testing. He was in the Marines, but he dropped out because of family issues. Right. Like they set this guy up as a proper hero. I'm gonna go one. I think I completely agree with that. Villains. I like Valentine. I like Valentine. I don't understand why he's kidnapping these people. He's a little, well, he wants them to be part of his society. After I understand the, that, but he's just outright kidnapping these people who don't agree with what he's doing, but then he wants to keep them alive. Well, I think, I think the kidnapping is just so they, because he's revealing his plan. And if they agree, they get the microchip and they're safe. If they don't agree, he has to keep them from blabbing. From blabbing. I get that. Yeah. But, so, but then he's just holding on to these people. It seems like there's no second step to the kidnapping plan. Well, he doesn't like killing. I understand that. But he has people who will kill for him. So, yeah, you're right. It seems like there's no threat to the kidnap. So, yeah. But I do like his motivation. I like that he's one of these villains that has a proper goal. He's just going about it the wrong way. Really, he's concerned about global warming. I'm going to go 0.5. That seems about right. Parents. Eggsy's dad is killed in the first scene of the movie. See it. Uh, 0.5. Easy one. That's easy 0.5. His mom's beat up the rest of the movie. Yeah. Not dead, though. Female characters. This one is conflicting for me. This one's very conflicting to me, too, because let's start with the good one. Okay. Because Roxy Roxy is wins. amazing. She Roxy wins. Roxy is the proper Kingsman. Yeah. And and it, what I love is that they don't like, all right, you're the Kingsman, you're Guinevere. No, they give her- the, Lancelot. Lancelot. They give her the title. Yeah. I love it. And she's badass. Right. And then let's and talk the about- Gazelle. Gazelle is very, Gazelle very is good. awesome. She kicks more ass than anybody in this movie. Yeah. Princess Tilde. Then you have Princess Tilde. Who, out of nowhere, says, says she wants butt stuff. Out of If you save nowhere. the day, you can put it in my ass. I hate it. I, I, it's like a shock value joke that's out of yeah. nowhere. What, what Matt Vaughn said about it was this. The end joke was intended as an R-rated version of the classic Bond movie end joke. Because a lot of Bond movies end with, they end with him Bond being caught in exactly. bed or... Matthew Vaughn said, the whole movie is a postmodern love letter to spy films. And as a kid watching Moonraker, I hear, Bond is about to attempt re-entry, sir. That's the last line of the movie, yeah. And he's like, I remember that line. So we've blown people's heads up. We've had massacres in churches. We've pushed the boundaries. We should at least have a classic spy movie end joke and do the R-rated version. But it's out of nowhere. It's absolutely out of nowhere, and I hate it. But I had to at least voice his defense I understand where it. he's coming from it. And I'm only going to reduce it by 0.25 because of that. I'm going to go 0.75 overall. I I, th- I think it takes it down more than that. I That's think it's a fine. I fanboyed and you called me on it. Honestly, <laughs> if it weren't for Roxy and Gazelle being so badass, I would have wanted to give it a negative. Okay. That's so. very fair. 0.5, call it a day? 0.5. All right. Setting. It's London. It's a very British movie. Yeah. 
There's a little bit of globe trotting, and it's. it's I think much. they do the right amount. It's not distracting. You're never like, where the fuck am I? Right. You even get that kind of like English countryside mansion type thing where yeah. Kingsman's actually based out of. I'm going to go point five because I do think that the end uh, is very generic in the mountain type layer. Yeah. If you will. It's very oh, generic. you got to go to the ice layer. Even the Argentina part at the beginning is very generic. Yeah. Even the beginning with the Middle East, it's, it's they not literally even just call it Middle, Middle East. East. It's very generic. Nineteen ninety-seven. Well, in, in, to be fair, in ninety-seven, it was all just called the Middle East, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I did appreciate was when Valentine was talking to the president, and I know that somebody in the Amazon reviews was like, "Oh, they had to make Obama proper West Wing." Matthew Vaughn was like, "It's not Obama, but we did have to make it obvious without yeah. using an actual that he was." He was converting the president of the United States. He had to show that there were but stakes this was like here. proper West Wing. Yeah. Even when they zoom out and you see it. And, and, and oh, then, God, it's it pans to the White House shot. and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I really appreciated that particular shot. That's fine. I still think I'm going point five. I think you're right. <laughs> Style and tone. I want to start at one. I think that's, I think, yeah. Start at one. You know, I'm going to go one five and call it a day. I think one five. I think that this movie just nails it all right. I don't think we need a discussion. I think one five. Yes. Done. Music. I want to start at one. <laughs> yes. Uh, one, definitely. I might end at one, but I fucking love this score. It's so good. One of the things I love about what this movie does with music is they have, because every movie has a score and then they have a soundtrack. Right. This movie integrates the two together so fucking well. Yeah. Which is not something you see often. That's like a, it's like Guardians does it. But other I, than I that, I want to go the rare 1.25. Well, it is rare, but I think you're right. I think it, it deserves that extra little bump. Right. We never really go there, but yeah. I think it's necessary here. One-liners. There's not a ton that I mean, there's, out. There's a like, few quippy things, but there's- Manners maketh man is very, very good. Definitely Are we going to stand around all day, or are we going to fight, which they happen to be back-to-back lines, but it's not important. <laughs> it's not a terribly quotable movie. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not that kind of movie. Ho! Oh! That's another one. 0.25. 0.25. Impact on the genre. It got a sequel. It did. It has another one coming out soon. It does. Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton blew up because of this movie. Yeah, he did. He played Elton John. Yeah, he did. Won a Golden Globe. And also, he's being fan-casted hard right now for Wolverine. Is he really? People, not by everybody. Well, they're fan-casting every single person. Yeah, but right now, people are like, Keanu Reeves for Wolverine. I'm like, no, fuck you. Keanu Reeves is like 10 feet tall. It doesn't work at all. It doesn't work at all. And he's like 90. <laughs> he's not 90. He's not 10 feet tall either, Dave. <laughs> right. I'm exaggerating. That's the one I picked out. You're right. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so it's it's definitely launched the career of Taron Egerton, if nothing else. I think it also kind of revitalized the... Sp- well, no, I can't say that because Bond movies no, Bond's have been still coming kicking. out the whole time. Yeah. I mean, they've become much more action-oriented than spy-oriented, though. Uh, sort of. That's coming Bond's- from somebody who's only watched one of them ever. Yeah. You've watched Doctor No. I know that. But the thing about Bond that's funny is, you know me, I'm a massive Bond fan, Mm -hmm. is that it's had to try to find that balance of cultural gerrymandering to to mix in the proper amount of action with the proper amount of lore that's there as well, because it does need to fit into the lore of what is James Bond. Absolutely. This is its own thing. I do not want to compare it to James Bond. Fair. Even though- Matthew Vaughn compared it to James Bond. Yes, and he was wrong to do that by the, the writer, movie, producer, director. Twice. The guy who was twice wrong said to do it. It's not this type of movie. He said it twice in the movie. <laughs> That's how he compared it. I think the impact, I mean, this movie made 
bank. It made a lot. It was it yeah, was it second when it released. It, right. Oh, that was the, the IMDb fact I didn't use was uh yeah the villain's name in this movie is Valentine. Coincidentally, the movie released Valentine's Day weekend in the U.S. Great. That's terrific. I, I love it. So Real much. trivia. Real trivia. Great. <laughs> I didn't even have to look at my notes for that one. Did you see that? I kept eye contact the uh, whole yeah, time. Yeah, you did. Uh, this movie made four hundred fourteen million. It does have a sequel and it has a uh, a, th- a prequel. Oh yeah, a prequel. I was going to say a threequel, but it is a prequel. I'm going to go point two five because this is not on everyone's mind all the time. That's true. It's one of those movies where if you bring it up, people are like, "Oh, I fucking love that movie," but it's right. not one that are people are like, "Hey, man, Kingsman, right? Right?" So <laughs> that's going to give Kingsman: The Secret Service a total score of six point two five. I like it. That's a I nailed think, it. That's fair. Completely nailed. It. Might be a, a little bit on the low side. But barely. But barely. But barely. Speaking of our super stuff score, we got a little feedback this week. Oh dear. We got we got somebody who has a problem with something we've said on the show. Who wrote it first of all? It's coming from the number one super fan sidekick. That guy's Steven. been on the show. What yep. is he complaining yep. about? Well, he's been able to call us out in person. He has a very specific grievance. Okay, go ahead. That that I am going to air at this moment. Uh, say it with a higher pitched voice because he's very short, and that's the way I'm going to connect with it. I will not. <laughs> title of the email is a ludicrous preposterous downright villainous mistake oh he's, great he's going ginger skull he's going okay. full ginger great. skull All right. dear caped podcasters bastards oh you were tr- we almost got a spit take out of dave on that one it's close that was a close one i have just one question does will smith not make that suit look good don't answer that i did answer that let the world answer the entire global community would like to respond with a resounding yes because that's how monumental and iconic that line is. I know that the Super Stuff score is arbitrary. I know the whole show's made up and the points don't matter. I've always been okay with that. Until now, that is. <laughs> okay. What a weird spot to take a stance on. Men in Black receiving a simpleton's one for one-liners is a crime against humanity and alienality. Okay. <laughs> Ali- alienanity? Yes, alienanity. Good enough. Will Smith looking suave and debonair in that suit is not all that this injustice hangs upon, however. No, no, boys. This wound that you've dealt to the cinematic world runs much deeper than that, and I think you know it. Nearly the entire episode had intermittent moments of describing just how impactful this treasure of a movie's quotes had on you. Kyle gets it, I know Brian gets it, and deep down, I think even Dave, I will not allow... (laughs) And even Dave, I will allow no one to experience Joy Michaels gets it. This movie's one-liners can go toe-to-toe with any other of the 98 movies you've reviewed thus far. Thankfully, Batnips and Robin is a week away. Oh, he sent this a while ago, I guess. Fair enough. All right. (laughs) And for that reason, I have a simple request. I ask, no, I need you to go back and adjust that Super Stuff score. Maybe it's arbitrary to you, Brian. Maybe Dave doesn't care because he's a heartless sociopath (laughs) who gets off on atrocities such as the Holocaust skimming a point... From MIB and other genocidal horrors, but I care, boys. The is rest he of the like world in and my I search care. history or something. This is weird. You have until episode one hundred and one to right this wrong. Oh, timely. <laughs> the world is watching. Prove to us that you deserve those capes. Otherwise, you're no better than the ginger skull himself. Forlornly, the number one sidekick superfan for ninety-eight episodes, Stephen. What did we give it? We gave it a one. We gave it a perfect score of one out of one. We gave it a hundred percent of this is perfect for one-liners. So I think that he he listed one one-liner off in he there. Did. He said this makes that look good. He, he made a big point about- He did. We, for and one line, though. Here's the thing. Realistically. That is a very famous line. Yeah. 
It was in the trailer, so of course it's going to be a very famous line. Yeah, so realistically what I'm thinking is 0. 0.75 probably. 0. 0.75, because I feel like it all hinges on that one That's line That's the one you really leaned on. If It's one of those things if where you're building evidence towards something to go greater, you usually put in more than yeah. one bit of evidence. Yeah, well, I know he, he texted me throughout the week too, and he, he brought up that, that Kyle said the thing about, you yeah. have no idea how much that stings. It's a Which, great line. It's a great line. I don't repeat it ever. No. I'm glad Kyle does. Me too. I love Kyle. What other? What What else is in the movie? Oh, I don't remember now because now we've been boozing. Yeah, I remember. I make this look good. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, 0.75. I think we we're clearly going, made a mistake. I think we're going to have to retroactively lower the super stuff score for one-liners I'm on Men in Black. I'm pointed out that we made a mistake. A point. Thank you, and Steven. And this is why he's our number one sidekick You're right. Super we fan. were egregious. It was not a perfect score he for that movie. He keeps us in check, and we appreciate that. We appreciate all of our listeners. Yeah, really, that's going to give Men in Black a total score of 10.75, yeah, now it's, which is going to lower it's it. It's going to lower it to number three on the list number of all three time. number three on the list of yeah. all time. So, okay. Thank you for pointing that out, Steven. Also, that takes care of the the five-way tie we had for 10th place and that's a good point there's only one movie in 10th place we have a proper top 10 oh finally this actually solved a lot of our problems it really did that's my favorite email we ever gotten oh thank you steven for helping us clear that up 0.75 for one-liners for men in black perfect i feel better i'm gonna i'm probably gonna sleep now i have not been sleeping well well yeah something felt wrong he's not wrong something felt wrong about that super stuff score and suddenly the world is at peace oh this feels good yeah I'm glad the world was watching, like he said. You're welcome, world. Simple enough. I feel like we did we did a, a, a justice today. This feels good. We are the heroes. We are the heroes. Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, uh, we're going to be celebrating Halloween because it's it's the se- tis the season. Yeah, that's right. As they say, Halloween time. Tis, tis the <laughs> season to times. be spooky. <laughs> uh, we're going back to the Shyamalan universe, and we're going to be talking about Split because really there's no other time that we could talk about this movie than Halloween. I guess so. This it's isn't a, even like a Halloween episode. It's not even that. It, it is and it isn't, you know? Because we're kinda we're kinda doing a twofer when it comes to Halloween this year, spoiler. <laughs> That's right. We're uh, gonna we're gonna hit you with that that October twenty eighth Halloween and also that November second Halloween. That those are not the right dates. No. The twenty sixth and the tw- and the second. That's right. There's gonna be obviously the split where we get a lot of the personalities, and then there's gonna be a boomstick coming up. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, it was requested. And damn it, was it a good request? <laughs> a phenomenal request. So, yeah, split, so, split. M Night Shyamalan. We're gonna continue that Unbreakable Universe. Have you seen it? I've never seen it. Me neither. This All I good. know is that it's it doesn't seem like a proper superhero movie, and it does seem like a proper horror movie. So this is where it had to go. I like it. Perfect. <laughs> split, split. Next week. Until then, be sure to like, review, subscribe, do all the stuff. Visit all the social media. We're on all of them at Kate Podcasters. Go to capepodcasters.com and check out the new Super Stuff store. Yeah, we've got all sorts of merch there for your your branding wear needs. Right. Put it on your body. Support, put us on your body. Support the podcast by wearing it. So people go, hey, what's that shirt? And you go, oh, it's, it's a great podcast. You should listen to it. Right. And while you're saying that, you could say that 10% of everything that's bought there goes to Extra Life, the we- foundation that supports the, the Children's Miracle Network. It's a great cause. It is. You're supporting a great cause by putting our crap on your body. It's a win, win, win. Boom. Michael Scott would be very impressed. You win. We win. The kids win. It's I like great. it. That's really what it's about. It's giving back. You can also follow us on Patreon where we're putting out our, our exclusive not-so-super movies. This month, we're going to be talking about Duck Soup. We sure are. 
How about that? With the experience grind, boys. That'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. What year did the movie come out? 33? I think 30, uh, either that or 32. This is like easily the oldest movie we've ever talked about. It will probably and remain. will always be the oldest, the oldest we're movie about. we've ever talked about. But we anticipate it'll lead to a great discussion. Right. About, it's about comedy. A, a, yeah, and it sort of is topical. And we're a non-political podcast, but. 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 But check out but. the episode. We might have some surprises. We'll see where we get to. <laughs> If we're drinking as much as we did tonight, it'll be wild, I'm this sure. Is, this table is full of empties. It is <laughs> wild. If you have any questions or comments or any grievances that you would like us to to address, such as Stephen did, you can email them to gmail.com and we can do the opposite of what you want us to do, too. <laughs> arbitrary? My ass. So arbitrary. <laughs> so arbitrary, in fact, that if you think it should be higher, we could easily argue it should be lower. It's not hard. It's that arbitrary, in fact. <laughs> Was it worth it, Steven? Go listen to our buddies at Tadpog, at Experience Gone, at Nerdy Thursday. And I guess we're going to see you next week for Split. Same pod time. Same pod butt stuff. So, Brian! Yeah. That is Kingsman the Secret Service. Sure is. What do you think happens post-credits? I believe that we go back to... You're going like Book of Mormon. I believe... I've never seen Book of Mormon. Unfortunate. Okay. Anyway, I believe... (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do it again. All right. (laughs) We go back to the Taylor shop, Kingsman. The very super secret, branded, secret service Taylor shop. And they're bringing in a specialist because, like, we got a lot of shit to clean up right now. We don't know who's dirty, who's not because of Michael Caine's dead body. We also have to fill in the the spot of Arthur now. Sure. They're bringing in a whole bunch of people. And in walks Harrison Ford. And you're like, oh, my God. And then his head immediately blows up. Why? Why, Harrison? Why? Because Mark Hamm was in the movie and his head blew up way before he expected him to be out of the movie, too. Oh, goodness. So Harrison Ford is in the movie for half a second. I like it. His head blows up. That's a good cameo. I like that quite a bit. Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is that we get a flashback to earlier in this, and it's Colin Firth explaining to Taron Egerton how all this Kingsman stuff works, Mm -hmm. but he skips right to the part. He's like, you need to understand your your alcohols, because clearly that's what we do a lot of the time. For sure. So Colin Firth says, I need to sit down. Sit down for a second. I want to explain something. He says, you take a whiskey drink, you take a vodka drink. (laughs) You take a lager drink, <laughs> you take a cider drink. Oh, no. But then you're going to sing songs that remind you of the good times. Perhaps. And then you sing songs that remind you of the best times. <laughs> oh, Danny boy. <laughs> <laughs>